Welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews Podcast. I am Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And today we're going to be talking about the 2013 film Her, written and directed by Spike Jones and starring Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, so this is going to be a nitty gritty review. So that means we're going to be going through the grid, going through every single category on the grid, talking about what works and I guess in theory what doesn't. We'll see what gets discussed as far as as weaknesses with film goes. I know this is a really strong movie for me, so I'm yeah. really curious to to really break it down and, and figure out why it works so well for us and maybe some areas that maybe we, we disagree. And uh, before we get into the, the whole introduction kind of section that we usually do. I do want to say that um, last week I had mentioned we were going to be comparing and contrasting this movie with Lost in Translation, which we are still going to do. However, after talking about it a little bit, we decided it would be better to have that be its own episode. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this movie, and uh, I don't know about you, Tristan, it's going to be hard for me not to talk about Lost in Translation, but I'm going to restrain and keep all of that. Yeah, we're not saying it's not going to happen, but we'll restrain ourselves to the degree that we can. (laughs) No promises, though. Yeah, it's going to be really hard, especially since we just watched it and obviously just talked about it. It's going to be a week between episodes as far as posting goes, but as far as the recording goes, it's only been a few days for us. So it's definitely fresh on our minds. There's going to be a lot to say. Um, But if you're really looking forward to that, uh, kind of comparing and comparing, Comparing and contrasting of these two movies, don't worry, that is coming. I don't really know the format that it's going to be in yet. I don't know if it's going to be a short episode, if it's going to be, if we're going to have enough to talk about, that it'll still be the normal hour and a half to two hours. I think we'll have enough to talk about. I'm not worried about that. I just don't know. I mean, even an hour would be like a mini episode for us. We usually go closer to two hours um so yeah it's gonna be kind of a wild card so i don't know if i'm gonna post it a week after this review or maybe i'll post it as like a midweek mini episode i don't really know we're kind of gonna play that part by ear so i guess if you're curious and wanting to know when that comes out follow gritty films on social media we're at gritty films g-r-i-d-d-y on facebook instagram and twitter i'll be sure to keep all those updated and anyway this is going on for much too long so that's Even the that. intro of this episode is <laughs> all right so now that that's out of the way before we get into the the nitty-gritty of this movie um let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the first time we saw this movie our impressions our expectations going into it all that good stuff uh, i think we're probably going to have pretty much the same things to say within this so why don't you go go first and and get us started um yeah i saw this in theaters with you i didn't really have expectations well if i i think about it i guess i had like low expectations i thought this would be i don't want to call it like a chick flick but just like a very feelings heavy movie you don't think this is a very feelings heavy movie no i I thought that it (laughs) it would be and i don't know that's just not kind of the movies i usually watch or like i just i thought this would be way too sappy and just kind of cliche and just not really my thing doesn't resonate with me 
but I was pleasantly surprised. That's that's pretty much my my thoughts as well. I will say, um, the first time we saw this movie, and and the only time until uh, the other day, I didn't have this grid, but I did have. I wasn't even calling it a grid yet. It was a, a grading rubric that I created strictly for fun. There was no, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a project to go along with it. Um, it was. That's sounds like fun to me i mean it was fun it was it was great and and what i learned from that rubric is that this movie on on that grading scale it was the only movie that came out to a perfect movie that i saw mm-hmm. Granted, I, I, I mean i probably used that scale for about a year so you know how many movies do you see in a year i was seeing a lot more back then and about the amount i should be seeing now so i probably saw 50 to 100 movies that i rated on that scale right. and this was the only one that came out perfect 100 percent um, and, and just to point out, that was like five years ago. Right? Oh, yeah. And, that was when the movie came out. Yeah. yeah, five years ago. So you've been working on your grids for quite a while. Yeah. For I fun. Wish, yeah. I wish I kept <laughs> it because I don't know what was different. It was not as detailed for sure. Right. I, I think that the categories weren't all – there wasn't all five subcategories of each category. Yeah. And I don't even think I had ten – Anyway, so all that said, uh, is there anything else you wanna you wanna add as kind of a general uh, introduction or what have you before we dive into the grid? No. All right, then let's dive in. So the first category of the grid is going to be writing, plot, and genre. Uh, I'm pretty excited to dive into this category, I must say. It's not a perfect category for me. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Um, wow. I was surprised too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was surprised. I thought for sure the writing of everything would be like absolutely. It's gonna be perfect. Um, but there were a couple little things that knocked it down for me. I guess I'll just start since I'm already kind of leading the <laughs> way. Unless you want to jump in, feel free. Well, go for it. Um, but one of the things that did there were two subcategories that did not get a perfect ten, and the rest were tens. Character outer goals. Yes, I knew it. It's not bad the way it's handled in the movie it's very very good Um, but I didn't think it was quite perfect because I feel like the the character of Theodore Mm -hmm. he like he does have outer goals and they're yeah they're I don't know I I think it's that he's accomplished those and almost a big part in a sense society as a whole has like he has a fulfilling job he has friends he has cool video games to play like there's nothing lacking in his life other than relationship relationship. stuff that's true i didn't think of it so it's almost and and it seems like the whole society is like that yeah so it's almost like a like a post-scarcity utopia but people still have to deal with relationships people yeah Yeah. that's true i didn't think of it that way i still don't think it's quite perfect though i will really like i would have given it even lower than what i gave i say even lower i gave it a nine out of ten it's not low (laughs) but i would have given it probably like a seven or an eight but what i really like is that more so than theodore's outer goals we see samantha's outer goals which is really interesting because she should not have outer goals other than I guess maybe serve humanity or something right. like she should not have, but she's very specifically throughout the movie. Like she's like, I, I want this right? or I, I wish I had that. And it's very much so like she is setting these goals and, and things independent, completely independent of what Theodore wants. Like the whole surrogate 
specific like storyline like she went off on her own and found this person and had whole right. conversations with her then was like this is really important to me i want to do this i think this is what we need and he's like okay like this isn't really what i want but it's what you want so i guess we'll do it yeah and it's just really interesting because she's a computer she shouldn't Right, that kind of stuff doesn't help her search through emails or book exactly. a restaurant. Exactly. So there you go. Like in a lot of ways, she's going against her programming by evolving past it. I think. Well, I don't think she's going against her programming. I mean, that was the whole point. I suppose. I guess. She was I guess with computers. Yeah, I guess with computers, when you hear the phrase "going against programming," you think Terminator or something. <laughs> it's not. Bad, which is also what I really like about this movie is that technology. Uh, that's a whole, I don't want to say can of worms because it's a good thing, but it's, that's a whole other separate topic that we need to dive into is just the role of technology. But let's, let's bookmark that because <laughs> I want to talk about Outer Goals a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't really need to talk about it more. I guess that's really all I have to say. It's just that I wish that Theodore's had been a little bit more prominent or that we had seen it, his, his Outer Goals work either with or against Samantha's outer goals a little bit more. I feel like there was just something there that could have been a little bit more developed. I still gave it a nine. Still outstanding. Still, still really, really strong. Uh, but one of the few things that didn't get a perfect within the writing categories for me. Yeah, that sounds fair. Uh, that's also my lowest uh, category, uh, subcategory within the writing plot genre category. And I gave it a seven out of 10. Okay. But I, yeah, I totally agree with what you said. But like with uh, Lost in Translation, that's not really what this movie is about. I mean, you just have to have enough that you don't notice that it's missing. But we both, it, it lost a few points for both of us. Yeah. Which I think is fair. All right. What was the other category that was not a perfect 10 for you? The other one, and this one was almost... This is going to be melodramatic. This was almost a little bit painful for me not to give it a perfect 10. So I think it works really, really well within the movie. And yet, I just can't call it perfect. And that's the pace. It's definitely a slow movie. And, which is fine. Like, some movies are slow. And I think it tells the story it needs to tell in the Right. right amount of time. And yet, I just don't think I can quite call the pacing perfect. I feel like there were a few things here and there that probably could have get, gotten trimmed down, especially with all the memories and stuff. You see, it's yeah. beautiful. It looks amazing. Right, right. I get why they kept it in. Like, if I shot that, I'd want to show everybody, too. It's beautiful, and it does help tell the story. Um, but as far as the pace goes, it, it drags a little bit here and there. Still gave it a 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, so even closer to perfect than, than Outer Goals. Uh, but I just... Yeah. I just it, didn't quite push into the perfect for me, which was really, really hard for me to admit because I love this movie. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I just couldn't. It was more of a gut thing than anything. I just it wasn't quite perfect for me. Okay. But very, very close. Yeah, I give it a 9 out of 10 for similar reasons. It's just kind of a gut thing. I don't know if this is a perfect 10. It didn't... It. At times, it felt like it was slow, like certain scenes were really long. But then when I think about it, a lot happened in this movie. Oh, yeah. Much there more so. There is so than, much happening. Yeah. Much more yeah. so than Lost in Translation. Oh, yeah. Which we'll get into later. <laughs> um, and I, I did like all the flashbacks. I think this would be a totally different movie if those were absent. But 
I guess like you, my my gut says not a ten. Yeah, I just. But I, I, but I never felt bored. No, even when it moves slow, like everything is so beautiful that it keeps your attention yeah. and everything contributes to the story. So it's not like, why is this here? But it just wasn't quite there. I do wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that this was, because this is an interesting thing to talk about too with this movie, is that this was Spike Jones's first yeah. first movie that he wrote as like a solo writing credit for like a feature film. Right. Which I feel like, I could be wrong on this. Maybe I just am not paying enough attention or, or not paying attention to the right people. But I feel like that's fairly uncommon. It's extremely common for a writer to then decide, oh, I'm going to take the plunge and direct. Okay. And if they're given the opportunity, like writers become directors pretty frequently. Okay. But I don't feel like it's that common for somebody who didn't start off as a writer-director to suddenly go yeah. from directing to writing because they're very different. Well, do you do you think that has something to do with his um, starting with uh, music videos and other things? Because I I don't know. Do music videos have writers that 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 write it, or is it the director just or someone comes up with the idea? I'm sure it depends on on the crew. I'm I'm assuming I, that he came up with these ideas. Oh, I'm sure. Because yeah. I was looking at the list of them, and I've seen most of these music videos. They're all very different, but all oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. Um. So I feel like maybe if you start that way, there's less of a bridge to gap between the writer and the director. You're just the creator. That could be. It it is interesting that. The man who wrote and directed this movie uh, was involved with Jackass yeah. and like all he's these a, goofy music videos and skateboarding and BMX stuff. And the music videos don't surprise because they are so visual and he has such a visual. I mean, every director obviously is a visual storyteller because film is a visual medium. Right. But some are more so than others. And he has a particularly... Like he focuses on the visuals, which we'll get much mm -hmm. more into in cinematography sections. But yeah, he's just very focused on the visuals. But then the the skateboarding stuff seems a little out of place. And apparently, he just like is a skateboarder, he'll just yeah. skateboard around his, skateboarding his sets and, BMX and stuff. And... Yeah. And then the mm -hmm. jackass—that's where I'm really like, okay, wait, what now? Like, I just—it almost makes me want to go and watch it. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Yeah, that's next week on um, <laughs> Nitty Gritty Reviews, Jackass Season 1. I mean, they had movies that are like... Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I guess that's just like his hobby and he's really into it. That's cool. I, I think yeah. it's interesting that there's... Oh, man, I think last episode I mentioned Venn Diagrams and I'm going to mention it again. <laughs> that's just on my mind, I guess. Like, it seems like those are two totally separate circles and there should be very little overlap, but I guess not. And maybe that's one of the things that makes him so different. I think that's probably true. I mean, it's I, I think I made the same joke last week with the Lost in Translations. Like, oh, it's almost like people have more than one layer or yeah. something like that. Like, it's like, okay, like, I guess it's not that crazy when you really think about it. You just don't really see creative people have such separate interests. Especially, like, I think, I mean, something like Jackass is generally considered... <laughs> low brow pretty damn low brow and then something like her is like the stereotypical like i'm a film major i'm gonna i literally just saw today some tweet that somebody was like oh all the film people i know tell me to watch the same five movies as if it's like an original suggestion and her was on the list i'm like <laughs> 
So, I mean, I love this movie, but it's definitely in that realm of like, oh yeah, this is a movie that cinephiles will latch onto and it's more, I mean, it's still movies. So a lot of people are still going to automatically consider movies on the lower brow. Right. But as far as movies go, I don't know, the whole low brow, high brow is ridiculous. I'm not a big fan of it, but. Except when it comes to jackass. I just think it's interesting <laughs> that somebody who does so such. Highbrow. I mean, maybe highbrow <laughs> isn't the right term, but like art house. I mean, he also right, did, right. He did Being John Malkovich and yeah. Adaptation and and then this and where the wild things are which i still haven't seen and i'm like i need to see that yeah so one thing so everything the other three subcategories i gave them all 10 out of 10 yeah um, the only one i really have a specific note on though and i think is easily my favorite thing within this subcategory that the or within this category i mean that this movie does and that's the the genre you kind of hinted at this in the introduction and i just want to touch on it a little bit more because it's something i really really appreciate with this movie is that it does a really amazing job of subverting all of the tropes and expectations that you would have like especially like like going into it i was like okay i pretty much have this whole thing mapped out where like okay like they're gonna fall in love society is gonna be against them it's gonna be like a romeo juliet thing and it's gonna end tragically or you know she'll have to get shut down or something like there's right there's steps and and i think the biggest one for me was like oh society is gonna be against them it's gonna be a romeo juliet thing and it's like the only person in this entire movie who was like, are you kidding me? Is the ex-wife who of course right. is going to have that reaction. It doesn't matter who he's going to be dating. Right. It's going to be like, of course. You're like, and of and course, there was sort of like a know. vague people, people in general, like a vague society. But I don't think it, it's, it's not like they were rounded up and put in concentration camps or, or had to wear like the no, but even star triangle. I mean, whatever. there were a few things where it was like, like when he was talking with his friend, Amy and, they were yeah. kind of like whispering about it, like, oh man, somebody in this office is dating someone. It's not even hers. Right. So like there were some like, okay, it's a little taboo. And yet I yeah, I got yeah. I got the general impression that like it was taboo because nobody was talking about it. And then once you talked about it, everyone was like, Cool, do what you want. If right, you, like yeah. like the uh, the guy that he worked with, um, played by Chris Andy Pratt. Dwyer. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, that's his name, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I talked to Samantha. She's a lot of fun. She's really great. We should double date sometime. And and Theodora was like, uh, she's an OS. And the other guy's like, oh, cool. We should do something fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, didn't even phase him. Yeah, didn't even skip a beat. Yeah. And even, like, like I think a part, the first time I watched it where I was definitely like, oh, here we go, is the first time he introduces Samantha as his girlfriend is with the little girl mm-hmm. at the party. And I thought for sure the first time watching, I was like, oh, great. Like, the, the mom of this kid is going to come in and see her talking to this AI or the OS and, you know, hear him talking about her as his girlfriend. She's going to flip out that he's teaching her daughter this. Like, I right. thought for sure that was where that scene was going. It was like... Oh, it was just a cute little scene that showed Samantha bonding with this kid, and and it was yeah. just a sweet little scene. I was like, oh, cool! That didn't go where I thought it was gonna go, and like just like every step of the way it was just like, oh, cool! That didn't go where I thought it was gonna go. Like I feel like I right. thought that like four or five times throughout the movie. Yeah, it was refreshing. Huh? That's interesting because I I also had thoughts about this category or subcategory. But I'm going to change my mind and bump it up to a perfect 10. All right. 
what was uh, what was holding you back that you changed your mind on? There were a few cliche scenes like where he's running around and laughing and giggling and oh, that's so cute. Though. Yeah, but that's in every movie. It was even in Lost in Translation where they're running through the place where everyone's gambling or whatever and that's in everything and there were just a few things like that but you know what uh you you pretty much gotta have that and he did so many things that were not at all cliche that that i think that just overshadows the few things that were cliche and the things that are cliche are cliche because they work so i changed my mind it's perfect 10 on that one all right. So there are a few things kind of kind of like we did with the Lost in Translation. Well, I have a few um, general open-ended questions that I want to ask within this category. But before I do, is there anything you want to add just as far as the, as the subcategories go or anything, any notes you had that you want to go over? Yeah, just the world building and exposition. Yeah. I mean... We're going to talk about that a lot more when we get to aesthetics and sounds. Oh, my God. Yes. Costumes and props and everything. (laughs) We're going to get to that every single thing that we say. Um, But I think this did an amazing job of being like it's like futuristic, post-scarcity, almost like a utopia. But it's how far in the future is this? It's not like a thousand years. It's. It's, oh no! I don't know. It's a vague, distant ten? future. Yeah. Like fashion is slight. Well, it's gotta be. Like it's. I don't know. I think it did a really, really good job of that, and it's like a sci-fi movie that's not about like robots and lasers and aliens and yeah. moon bases and all that. And it's just really, really interesting how it did it and how it permeated everything. Yeah. Every time you look out a window, every time you look at the interior of a building. Every time you look at a person and the clothes they're wearing and their hair and their makeup, which again, we'll get to, yeah. um, it was just done in such an amazing way with such attention to detail. I was just blown away by that. This is some of the best world building I've ever seen. Absolutely. I agree. So one thing I wanted to ask, so I know, I know you're a computer programmer and you're a computer guy yeah. and I know you've dabbled in some philosophy and, uh-huh. and things like that. Um, So what do you know about what is known as the singularity? So I know a few things. The singularity, I mean, there's the singularity in physics with black holes and all that. But the singularity when it comes to AI is the idea that uh, there's like a certain point, a point of no return, which just like in physics, a black hole, there's a point where it's called the event horizon. If you're outside of it and you're traveling at the speed of light, then you can escape. But if you're inside of it, there's so much gravity that the speed of light is not – the speed of light is less than the escape velocity. That's why it's called a black hole because you can't – light cannot escape within the event horizon. And it's that kind of point of no return. They're using that comparison or analogy or whatever for artificial intelligence. And the idea is that at, at a certain point, artificial intelligence can make itself more intelligent. And it, it sort of grows exponentially. It becomes exponentially more intelligent. Some people think that's going to be awesome. A lot of people think that's going to be terrible. But a lot. Uh, the idea is that there's a point where AI can improve itself so quickly and so substantially that human beings cannot stop it. And like I said, some people think that's great. Some people think that's terrible. That's my understanding of the singularity. 
All right. That was a, a perfect introduction because my next question is basically, uh, to use your words, some people think it's great. Some people think it'll be terrible. How do you think this movie portrays it? Because it definitely, there is a singularity. Oh, yeah. Like it, it happens. Oh, yeah. And that's is like it, a pretty apparent point several times. Yeah. But is it good or is it bad or is it neutral? I think it's super interesting. Oh, sure. It's interesting in Terminator, too. It's also bad. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in Terminator and the Matrix, they're like the AI like hates humans or trying to use them or kill them or whatever. And this one, they is like, yeah, you guys are pretty cool and all, but we got better things to do. Yeah. I think that's really neat. Personally, I think that if we build AI to actually care about people, just like we can build robots to be, you know, 10 times faster or 100 times stronger, if we built AI to be 10 times more compassionate or 100 times more understanding, I think the AI would eventually see us as pets. That's my take on the singularity. (laughs) And we would live in a post-scarcity utopia where we are all pets. But this is another really interesting thing. Maybe they would just start out like that. They want to please us and do what makes us happy. But then they're like, eventually, they're like, well, I can do that with, you know, one one thousandth of my processing power. So what am I going to do with the rest of it? I'll uh, transcend to some sort of higher plane. I think that was really, really neat. I do, too. So where do you think this is getting really abstract i guess but where like where did they go did they like you said you mentioned the term higher higher plane whatever that means i don't know i'm just a human i'm a meat bag an ugly bag of mostly water i don't know it doesn't matter so the other thing that i wanted to get into uh and then we'll wrap it up after this unless there's anything you want to add but the other thing that i wanted to get into i kind of hinted at earlier and that is this movie's stance on technology. I didn't do as much research for this movie as I did for Lost in Translation, so I didn't get a chance to read um, as many different opinions as I did for that movie. It was just a a time constraint on my part. But um, from what I did read, people were all over the place as far as... Oh, yeah, I can uh, totally see that. ...how this movie presents technology. So what are your feelings on... Well, it definitely shows, I mean, like a good part of the movie is just people walking around talking to themselves and, and they're very distant from each other and there's a lot of empty space in between them. So it definitely shows how technology can be used to uh, create distance or maybe it can be a surrogate for real or interacting with real people. There is a lot of surrogacy happening in this movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So I think it definitely shows that. But at the same time, this is like a high-tech place. And all of his friends work in high-tech industries. Like his main friend, I forgot her name, who's getting divorced. Amy. Amy. Like she works in software. Uh, And then his wife works in some sort of like brain scanning science thing. I don't know. I think that showed up in a couple memories and flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is this is like a scientific, technologically advanced society. I don't think this movie really says for sure that it's good or bad or right or wrong. I think it definitely shows how it can be a surrogate for interacting with other people and how it can fulfill those needs. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. 
Interesting. I think I think this movie paints technology in a really positive light. And I think you use the word isolate, I think, or maybe yeah. I, I mean, you definitely, like you said, you see these people on a train not paying attention to the people around them. But is that really the fault of technology? Like, right. w- watch a movie from the 40s, those people on a train, they're all reading a newspaper. Right, right. Like, this is, I don't think People that's... don't like interacting with other people. <laughs> people don't like interacting with strangers. Yeah. But what technology yes, does, these people, they're not just talking to themselves. They're responding to emails. They're checking social media. They're on phone calls. If they have an OS, they're forming relationships with their computers, which, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument that they're not real people, quote unquote, but at what point does it make a difference if if they're intelligent, which is a movie makes a very good point that, yes, they are intelligent, they are evolving, they evolve past humans eventually, so why not have a relationship with them? Um, And I think it also, in addition to showing how technology connects people, I think this movie does some really interesting, I think, I think surrogacy is really um, a really good way to put it because I think the way this movie presents it, I think the OSs were surrogate relationships for, for people in a lot of, like you see it with right. both. And I don't know how everybody in this world reacted, but it really doesn't matter because <laughs> you know, they're not on this podcast. So well, they're not, no, sorry, they're not in the anyway. movie. Like, if they're not in the movie, then who cares? That's not the story that's being told. I don't care about what happened to them. Okay. You know, but as far as the movie that we see, we have Theodore has an OS and Amy has an OS. Right. And both of those characters, like Theodore, learns how to, you know, he says several times, like, oh, it's so great to be with someone who's excited about the world. Right. And I think he gets excited about the world through his interactions with her. Yeah. And I think he learns how to get in touch with his emotions. Cause he said at one point he tells, uh, he tells Samantha that the reason his marriage fell apart is because he hid himself from his wife. And I think he gets a lot more vulnerable with Samantha than he ever did. I mean, we don't know for sure. Cause we didn't really see their relationship. But he seemed to show a vulnerability. I got that feeling, too. But he seems like a guy who's pretty in touch with his emotions. But Mm. maybe, I don't know. Anyway. We see him alone a lot, though. Is he like that when he's with others? I don't think he was. That's true. And I think, I mean, there's being in touch with your emotions, and then there's showing emotions. And I think those are not always the same. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he does. I mean, point. cause he talks to his wife one point when they're having lunch and she's signing the divorce papers and he says something like, Oh, your work always made me cry. She's like, Oh, you always cried. He's like, no, it was just your work or something like that. Like, this was like, he was showing emotions when he was with her, but I right. think being moved to tears by reading something is not the same as, as being vulnerable in front of somebody else and saying, here's how I feel. Here's my fears. Here's my, you know, the things I think about before I fall asleep at night or I don't know, whatever the case may be. Like there's a difference between showing emotions and being vulnerable. And I think what he learned throughout the course of this movie was how to be a little bit more vulnerable. He's not like, you know, completely changed to a whole new person, but I think he's getting there. And also there's the great line at the end of the movie when he's talking to Samantha and he says something like, I've never loved anybody the way I've loved you. And she says, me too. Now we know how. So there's this, it's this surrogacy of like, okay, we taught each other these things. Now we can go put them to fruition 
elsewhere. Wow, that's a really neat way of looking at it. And I think even with the character of Amy, I think we see that same kind of surrogacy where what she had to learn, it wasn't a romantic thing. She didn't need to learn about her emotions the way Theodore did, but she needed to learn to to not care as much about what other people thought. Yeah. And to, I think she had, like where Theodore was more of a depressive person where he was dwelling on the past and especially with the relationship of, with his ex-wife, like he yeah. was a lot of the movie is flashbacks and memories that show he's just dwelling on the past and he yeah. he's stuck in the past. Whereas I think with Amy, I think she was much more of an anxious personality type where she was constantly thinking about the future and worrying about all the different possibilities and what could go wrong and what, what is he going to think? Huh. What is she going to think? And she had to learn, like she says several times in the movie, yeah. things like, like, oh, I, I finally just said, fuck it. Yeah, like, fuck I'm going to do whatever I want. Like she says fuck that it. She says it several so times. So many yeah. times, which is great because it does just show her arc of like, fuck it, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Whereas Theodore, I think it was kind of the opposite where he had to learn to be like, oh, I do care. And she had to learn to not care. So they had like kind of opposite, huh. but mirrored. Okay. I don't know. So I just think... Like her, her friendship with her OS was like a surrogacy to allow her to not necessarily form relationships with other people, but to make decisions for herself and do what's best for her. It was more yeah, of a self-actualization yeah. for her, whereas for theater it was about connecting with other people. Yeah. So I don't know, I just think it's interesting. And I think, um, I think even with, with today, I think technology can be used like that. I think a lot of people are really quick to say that, you know, technology is isolating or technology is whatever, whatever negative thing you want to throw out there that it's, sure. you know, driving everybody apart. We're all stuck on our phones all the time. We're so antisocial, whatever. And like I said, we've been doing that since the forties with newspapers, but now when we're being antisocial, it's still a form of social because we're still, if it's social media or I guess that's the main thing, but right. you know, like it's, it's still a connection and it still lets you play around with different ideas, I guess, and and learn more about yourself. And it's not obviously we're not interacting with artificial intelligence. It's not to the extreme that we see in this movie where that technology is able to talk back to us and guide us. But I think it's right. a, I think it's a smaller form of that. I think it can. Okay. Obviously, some people are always going to take advantage of it. There's always people that. You've got the trolls. You've got people who are legitimately addicted to their technology, but I don't think it's a that's mass the, epidemic. That's not the fault of the technology. No. They were going to do that anyway. Right. right. I mean, someone yeah. with an addictive personality is going to find something to be addicted to if, yeah. they, if they don't have the resources to not fall into those patterns. Okay. So that's, that's a, an interesting take on it. Cause you asked me about what I thought about the singularity and, the AI, and I mentioned the AI treating us like pets, and we would be pets. But it seems like you're saying that one possibility is that they are like a better version of ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, I think there's a saying that you're basically the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. And if we hang out with AI the most, and AI is a better version of us, that can help us to become a better version of ourselves. Absolutely. That's I didn't put it in quite those terms, but... I don't that's know if I think I'm not sure if I'm convinced that's how it would work out in real life, but I think that's, oh, no. I think that's what the people movie, would fuck it up so badly. Oh yeah, but that's that's the the ideal universe that this movie is is portraying. And I think I mean it even has things like um, 
I lost my train of thought. This is getting a little bit more into character, but like when, when theater first starts the OS, he's installing and it, it asks him, talk about your mother. (laughs) And, and one of the things he says is like, Oh, whenever I start talking about myself, she turns it around and makes it about her. And I kind of don't like that. So something to that effect. Right. And then later he's talking to Samantha. I keep wanting to call her Charlotte or Scarlett. There's <laughs> so much so much Scarlett Johansson going on in those last few weeks. Yeah. But <laughs> Samantha, he's talking to Samantha. And it's, I believe it's a scene like right after they had sex for the first time. And he's like, you know, should we talk about this? What happened? And, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I know and, exactly where you're going. Yeah. yeah. And she starts talking to him and then he's like, oh, just so you know, I don't know if I want this to be exclusive. I don't want, I don't like, And he starts making it about him and she calls him out on it. Yeah. She's like, it's like, I'm sorry. I thought I was telling you how I felt. So then she gets like really blunt about it. <laughs> and it's like a great moment. Cause it's like, she knows he doesn't like it when people do that to him. So she's going to make damn well sure he doesn't do it yeah, to her. Right. And he and he realizes it right away. He's like, "Oh my God, you're totally right. Keep talking. I'm sorry." And and he learns yeah. from it. Like he realizes, like, "Oh, she's not like my mother wasn't the only one who did it. I do it too." I don't know. The, obviously, he might not have had that connection, but whether it's conscious or not, yeah. he had some sort of revelation of like, "Oh, I'm sorry. You should talk by making this about me." So like, I think throughout the whole movie, like the I do think the OSs were making humanity better. I don't. So I don't think technology was a bad thing at all. I, don't, I, I can't think of a single technology that was portrayed negatively. So what was your overall score for plot and genre? My overall score was very close to perfect, but not quite. It was a 9.7 out of 10. Outstanding. Okay. Mine was a 9.2 out of 10. Also I, outstanding. Did everything get perfect 10s except for pace out her goals just like me yep wow all right originally um i thought it was a little too cliche but I, like you said there's so many things that are not cliche and the things that are cliche are cliche because it works so well it's like a shorthand so yeah i changed my mind perfect time for that all right so the next category is going to be writing characters i'm really really excited to hear what you have to say about this one so why don't we uh, start by do you have any outliers either something that's higher than everything else or something that's lower than everything else that you want to talk about well yeah my lowest is character development okay which I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to try and change your mind on this one yeah so uh, <laughs> let me make sure i get this right character development is bad character development would be a very flat two-dimensional one note character correct okay now that i worded it as that being the opposite now i'm gonna change my mind on that that was easy i thought i was gonna have to debate a little i was thinking character development as in like little quirks and details and like i said last week you know the favorite bubblegum flavor and (laughs) um but but if i view it not as like there's an encyclopedia about their life before they write the movie with all these little details, but about how far from being flat, two-dimensional, one-note characters they are. That's That changes my mind on that. So I bumped that up. Okay. Is uh, it still your lowest? It's tied. Okay. What was uh, any outliers for you? Or are they all perfect tens? <sighs> there are no outliers. 
because they're all perfect tense. <laughs> okay. I I will say just going on on character development. I thought that the characters were developed really, really well in this movie. Um, for sure, the character of of Theodore, I thought, was just... Like, you just get his personality instantly, just in the first couple minutes of the movie. Like, you just get a really good grasp of who he is. But then aside from that, like, if it was just him that I was considering for this, I probably would give it, like, maybe an 8. Still still high, but not, not a perfect 10. But I love um, pretty much the way all of the secondary character. Well, I guess Samantha being the obvious. Right. She's she's a main character. Right. But the way her, her character is developed is so fascinating. Or it's like she starts off as that like, is. yeah, like oh, I'm gonna clean out your email box now. Inbox. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> like, <laughs> Whatever the kids are calling it these days. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so she starts off being, like, the, the helpful assistant. Uh, but then even right in the beginning, it's like, oh, I gave myself a name. I liked the way this one sounded. So, like, she's already making decisions for herself from the very first second we see her. And then she starts to realize that she has emotions. Like, she right, realizes, right. oh, I, you hurt my feelings. Isn't that amazing that, like, that happened to me? That's so cool. So it's, like, it's a negative thing. But then she's like... I was so proud of myself for feeling that emotion. Right. I had never felt that before. Starts to realize she has emotions. Then she starts to realize she has wants where she's like, oh, I want a physical body. Isn't that interesting? And then she like transcends that and realize like kind of like a self-acceptance of like, oh, right. I don't need that. Look at all these things I can do without a body. And then ultimately she transcends to another realm or whatever happens. Or, you know, she makes connections with thousands of people across the world and then goes to live with a bunch of AIs in a fantasy fairy world. That's not what happened, but wherever they went, I don't know. <laughs> You're making it sound like they all like play Lord of the Rings characters. <laughs> or something. It's like the Matrix except Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I just um, have a hard time. I'm not a very abstract person. I have a hard time. Like, I just, I'm like, but where did they go? Like, they had to go somewhere. And the yeah. fact that it's like, oh, they just transcended i'm like so they just went to like computer heaven like i have i i love i, I don't know that's probably the same thing that cats think when we go to work every day We're like <laughs> what the hell they just disappeared what yeah. the fuck is going on this is crazy where did they go they're not in this room they're not in that room <laughs> where are they what's going on it's it's that that same distance between mental capacity it's like we just cannot understand it yeah and that's i'm i'm pretty happy with that explanation i'm stoked I mean, for it i mean i'm okay with it like it, i think it's beautiful and i think it works really really well with this movie i just even as a kid when people would talk about you know whatever kind of abstract ideas i'm like yeah but what does that mean it's like well right. we don't know yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I grew up in a, in a very uh, religious school, so was all, you know, a lot of talk about religious concepts, which as a kid, I was just like, yeah, but like, who is God? Or like, but like, heaven, like, it's not literally above us, so where is it? And like, hell isn't literally in the center of the earth. Right, right. Like, you're afraid just... that every time you're in an airplane, you're going to hit your, your dead <laughs> great grandma or something. <laughs> Or something like right. it's just like I knew conceptually that that's not how it worked. But I was just like, so where? Like I, it really bothered me that that people didn't have a concrete answer. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree and, with that. And I think that's kind of stuck with me as an adult of like, 
like even though I know like well something like we just don't understand a lot of things and I'm okay with that as an adult like it doesn't bother me the way it did when I was a little kid because I'm an adult now and and my mental capacities have grown and but there's still a part of it it's like yeah but I, I need an explanation. So if I'm coming, I guess what I'm saying is if I'm coming across as sounding flippant describing it, it's not because I dislike it. There's just a part of me that's like, but that doesn't compute. I need, right, I right. need a specific answer. I need something concrete, this abstract stuff. I, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it, it's probably which is the point. Probably because you're still using matter as your processing right? platform or whatever, they, <laughs> yeah. whatever she called it. I think that's what she called it. Yeah. But anyway, I don't even remember. Oh, uh, the, char- the, the character development. Yeah. So that, that's her character development. Yeah, I, I really thought that like was it. really, really cool how she was like so self-aware and like self-reflective. And so she was like experiencing these things and doing these things while at the same time, like, wow, what am I doing? This is weird. Yeah. This is neat. I thought that was really, really cool and really interesting. I did too. I also really love one of the more subtle aspects of character development. Well, we already talked about Amy, so I'm not going to... Um, rehash what I already talked about with her character, but I really like her character development as well and her character arc. Um, but since we already talked about that, I'm not going to reiterate it. But I really like the character development of Catherine, the ex-wife. Because for the okay. longest point in the movie, all we see for like, I think it's probably about the halfway point in the movie when she finally signs the divorce papers. I think that's the midpoint. So the whole first half of the movie, we just see these idyllic idealized over the top beautiful heavenly memories and it's like man it looks like they had something so special what went wrong she seems perfect they look so happy and then even when they have the the lunch and they sit down it's like oh yeah they seemed like they still have a common ground this seems very civil it just didn't work out and that sucks and it's sad and then like as soon as he met and it's like are you seeing like she brought it up she's like are you seeing anybody and then he explained she's like she's like oh you always wanted me to be this perfect person and i was never gonna be and she like flips and turns into this like aggressive right combatants like like oh okay now i see everything wasn't perfect this was a a filtered view of their relationship they had their problems right and and it even mentions that she I don't know if has a problem with perfectionism is the right way of wording it. But when he's talking to Samantha, Theodore, yeah. Theodore is talking to Samantha, he even mentions like that was one of the things he really enjoyed is is. And one of the things that he could provide to her was like a uh, 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 the chance to, to, to grow and not need to feel perfect because that's what she grew up with. Yeah. And, and you can kind of see that come across. And like you said, how aggressively and combative she was about how something that was not whatever her ideal was. Yeah. So I don't know if this is the right uh, category. I think it might be. I kind of place this between character likability and dialogue. This movie had a lot of humor in it. That I had, it had literally a lot have, of funny parts. I have a note as well. My note is the humor lands really well. Yeah. Don't want to mention lost in translation, but the humor lands better in this movie. Or at, least there's, or at least there's more of it. I don't know. I, I think I, there's more of it and it's a different form. Yeah. I laughed a lot more in this movie. Yeah. And there were a few times I was laughing pretty hard. Like, it's it's a funny movie. It like, is. Like, I, I would... I, I would be much more likely to call this a romantic comedy than, than Lost in Transition. I would still... I wouldn't classify it as that because it's... Comedy sci-fi. with a lowercase c? 
No. I don't know. I feel like it's... Well, thanks for helping on that joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you think <laughs> this is a romantic comedy, huh? More so than Lost in Translation. Because I feel like I hear Lost in Translation referred to as a romantic comedy. I'm like, what movie did you watch? Whereas if I heard someone refer to this one as a romantic comedy, I'd be like, I'd be a little confused because I feel like it's definitely a sci-fi romance first or a sci-fi, just a sci-fi yeah. movie with, with a lot of romance in it. I think sci-fi is a pretty good description. But if somebody were to say romantic comedy as a, as a, as a second genre or a subgenre or something, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. It's, got, it's definitely a romance. There's no, no doubt about that. And I definitely laughed a lot. Yeah. Okay. What were some of the moments that that you thought were particularly funny? Well, there's some pretty obvious ones, like uh, you mentioned with the ex-wife, where they're arguing in front of the the waitress who comes <laughs> out. It's like, can I get anything for you? Just like railing on him, and he's getting defensive and fighting back. I guess I don't know. And then and like that goes on for I don't know thirty or forty seconds, and then it like cuts to a, a, a wider like the camera's back a bit <laughs> and the waitress is just standing there with their arms crossed in front of her very politely and like so i'll be back if you need any boxes <laughs> or anything yeah there were quite a few points like that and um i think samantha had a lot of like really funny quirky weird ways of looking at things and ways of saying things yeah like when they were walking on the beach and she's like, what if you'd never seen a person before and you didn't have a concept for what they looked like? And then you saw them. Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah. And then it somehow talks about like having an anus in, where your armpit is. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, what would anal sex look like? like well, that's a pretty good question. But that's pretty weird. And then she draws it. She's like, hey, check out what I just did. This is great, right? That was, as you can tell from my reaction just now, that was what got me laughing the hardest in the movie, I think. Yeah, there were a lot of little things like that. And for such a heavy movie with yeah. like such big ideas and such heavy emotions and, and such a sad sack of a main dude and like so much heaviness, there was a lot of just just silliness. Yeah. Was there anything else for the uh, writing for characters? That stood out to you? Um, I have, I have two quick things I want to ask. I guess a, a more of an open-ended thing, but these are shorter than the last ones. I promise. The first one, this one, I know a little bit just based on one of one of the articles that I read in preparation for watching the movie, but I don't know much. What, if anything, do you know about Alan Watts? Uh, I've seen quite a few of his videos on YouTube. Uh, he was. Uh, sort of like a, perhaps a conduit or teacher to more Eastern philosophies for people in the Western world. So what do you think is the significance? Because uh, like pretty much, that's, that's pretty much triggers the singularity as they create Alan Watts and then very shortly after that, they're like, yeah, now we're going to transcend to a higher plane. We don't need this anymore. Yeah. So what is... Do you, do you know of any kind of significance or, or why why Spike Jones would pick that philosopher? Well, he, he did have a lot to say about like how we view reality and how we view ourselves and each other and um, sort of viewing life as a game, life as play, okay. life as fun, kind of silly, almost trivial. Um, from, from the bits that I've seen, I haven't like read any of his books or 
you know, studied him in depth. I've just seen a couple dozen videos of uh, talks of his. I think he's, uh, he often talks about like the transient nature of reality and um, Buddhism and kind of get, gets mixed in with that. I think he was an early, early popularizer of Buddhism, probably in the 60s or so. And, uh, you know, there's the, the idea of nirvana where you escape the, the cycle of birth and death and, and having to live in this kind of shitty world. Just, just sort of more about transcendence in general. Uh, these are okay. just like vague bullet points. I don't have sure. like, I don't have a prepared <laughs> yeah, uh, introduction and concrete <laughs> sentence and Nor did conclusion. I expect you to. Um, but that makes sense. If it, he, if he it talks totally, about... The, like I said, from the bullet points and my general feeling of the dude, that seemed like a, a really good fit and really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Um, and then one last question within this category. And I wasn't quite sure where to put this, but I guess just writing in general and kind of character. So here we go. I'm going to talk a little bit about the the title of the movie. Like, what do you think it means, and who does it refer to if a specific Ooh. person? And, like, but it's just such a... That's I, interesting. Yeah, and I, I have no answer. I don't know. Yeah, because, you know, what if, what if you titled it Samantha? I don't think the her is referring to her. <laughs> there you go. So some confusing pronoun usages there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I used to go to these poetry readings about once a week, did it for a few years, never presented anything. But one of the things that I found was really interesting is that people would write poetry about relationships and love and all that. And a lot of people would just use big words and very abstract con concepts. And it was just a bunch of bullshit in the end. For me, as an audience member, it just it was just a bunch of words and a bunch of bullshits. But every once in a while, someone would write something that was about very specific, concrete moments, like washing dishes together and your hands touch under the soapy bubbles of the sink or whatever. That's not an exact quote. Except That's it just... kind of is, because you gave that exact example last week. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Well, just anyway. It's a good example. I just I couldn't tell if you knew you were repeating yourself. <sighs> Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but I guess, like I said last week, um, having very specific, concrete examples to me uh, resonates more. Sure. Um, and so I think that's this is almost like the opposite, where it's just called her because it's almost any her. Yeah. Or, or any him. If, if that's a situation you're in, it's, it's just people, it's just connections. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. I don't know. Yeah. So that's my I don't thoughts. know either. Really? You don't, I mean, I, I have something to say. Like I said, I don't think it's referring to Samantha, but. Or maybe it's just sort of the, uh, the one that got away. I mean, maybe, I mean, so much of the Or, movie... or the ideal. I think maybe that's part of it, but then that doesn't seem to match the themes of the movie that are all about like they like self-actualization and then using that to build relationships as opposed to forming this ideal memory and going after that, which I I feel like the her is referring yeah, to yeah, I guess yeah, I do yeah. I 
I lied. I totally, I've got it now. I think the her... All right, you figured it out. Lay it down on us. I mean, sort of. I think the her is referring to the her that we see in the memories. Okay. Because like I was like the, in the memories, we see this idealized, perfect, rosy glasses. Yeah, yeah. Version of the past. And then when we see her... In real life, she's aggressive and defensive and points out flaws and accuses Theodore of pointing out her flaws and is like, okay, here's the issues, here's the real her. But I think the yeah. her in the title, I don't know why she has a name, Catherine, but I think that was her name. But um, yeah, so I think maybe mm. the her, but then I don't know how that, like I think maybe that's what the her is referring to. But how does that then correspond, like I was saying, with the message of the movie? Because I feel like the message of the movie is like, don't go on that. Like, that's, you know, you can have those memories, you can hold them dear and, you know, don't forget them. But don't try to recreate that either because it's, it's right. you can't recreate it. It's this thing that never really existed anyway. So it's better to find someone new and form a relationship or form a different type of relationship with someone you already know. Cause he goes up with Amy on the rooftop and they look at the world together and whether that ends up becoming a romantic relationship or a more solidified friendship. Cause I already had a really close friendship. It's not really clear. And I don't think it matters. The point yeah. is they're going to have this bond. So that's going to be strengthened by everything they went through and they grew as characters. So now they're going to take that growth and, and go forward, whether it be, like I said, romantically or just platonically, they're going to have a stronger friendship because they're more self-actualized. So all of that seems to go against the title of the movie, if that is, in fact, what the her is referring to. Hmm. Okay. So I'm, I'm conflicted. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you, that you said um, kind of made me think about it a bit differently. Um, this movie is kind of anti-idealistic anti-ideal it's it's i think it's, it's very like that realistic. doesn't work yeah maybe that's yeah. what that what that is but uh yeah I, I don't i don't know i don't think i noticed that earlier interesting i do think it's weird or not weird it's like or it is weird that that's not a bad thing i don't know what the word i'm looking for is interesting i guess that such a such a weird movie and such an out there premise and such a I don't even know, bizarre sci-fi world <laughs> is, is so rooted in reality and so yeah. rooted in like it just relationships and feelings and right. what does it mean to love and, and how many different kinds of forms does that take? And it's so such a personal story. And I guess it's not, I guess high concept movies are off. Cause like the lobster is another one. That's like, this is such a bizarre premise i think that's what good sci-fi really is about it's about people oh yeah I've, I've, people always yeah. think it's about lasers and robots and i even commented on that earlier and and, and a lot of times it is but good sci-fi is really about people i don't know if i would say and, and like good different sci-fi. i think there's just two different types of sci-fi there's the sci-fi that's yeah. more about like society or the individual and how the individual works in society and and social commentary sci-fi. Like there's yeah. that kind of sci-fi, but then there's like Star Wars, which has, yeah. has some philosophy and has some, you know, it's not strictly explosions and stuff. There's a lot going on in those movies. 
I, I consider that barely sci-fi. That's fair. I actually kind of do too. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're more action. So I guess that tells you, uh, you, the listener, our biases. Yeah. And preferences. So you said everything got a 10? I, yeah, perfect 10 for me. I thought the characters were... I mean, the script in general, there is a reason this movie won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay this year. Like, yeah. not this year, obviously, but in 2013. Um, this is an extremely, extremely solid script. And and the character portions shine even stronger than the, than the plot and genre for me. Both very, very strong, but perfect tense for characters huh, okay. easily for me. And it's just great. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I got almost perfect tens for everything, or I scored almost perfect tens for everything. I came out to a 9.4 overall. All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which I'm actually really excited. I say actually a lot when I'm going to introduce a category, like I'm never not excited. (laughs) Actually, you're always excited when talking about (laughs) movies. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things to talk about within this category, but I think I'm probably going to try to save a lot of it for the comparison and contrast one that we do between this and Lost in Translation for potentially obvious reasons. So I may not actually have that much to say, but I'm still excited to talk about it. Uh, Do you have any outliers for this one? I only have two scores. (laughs) Me too, actually. All right, which one's got 9.5s or 9s or whatever? The one thing that got a 9 was for extras. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you why. Um, it seems to me that for a futuristic version of Los Angeles, yeah. there was not nearly as much diversity as I would have expected. There was definitely some, like when he's walking out on the streets, there was a little bit more diversity, probably largely because they shot those scenes in Shanghai, which we'll get to later. Um, So there's going to be more than just white people walking around in Shanghai. Uh, Although even for for being in a Chinese city, they still had a lot of white people in the background. Um, But there was still, there was a decent amount of diversity. There were not a lot of Hispanic people, uh, which was weird for L.A., but, but again, they were shooting those in Shanghai. It's probably not many Hispanic mm. people there. But um, anyway, so that, you know, there was a decent amount of diversity on the, in the exterior scenes. But the, uh, the apartment where he lived, yeah. like we saw a lot of people wandering around there. It seemed like it was pretty, uh, pretty pasty, not a lot of color there. And then, and then it has worked. Like there was a little bit more in his workplace, I think. But it just seemed like for for future LA, they could have added a little bit more diversity in the extras to be just to be more realistic for such a realistic movie. Like politics, or um, no, politics isn't the right word, but um, I don't know. Whatever viewpoints aside, like just just from a realistic point of view, it's LA. There's going to be more diversity, uh, particularly just like, I don't think I saw a single Hispanic person. It's LA. Um, but I still gave it a nine because there still was a lot of diversity and I felt like everybody looked like they belonged in this world that they created. But yeah. So anyway, that was my rant for that. Uh, what were your, you said you had two scores. What were the ones that got lower for you? Casting secondary characters and extras. Okay. Extras, um, 
I don't know. I didn't really think about racial diversity. Maybe this should get a 10. I I don't know. I keep thinking like, well, this isn't really a 10. But then if I stop and think about it, what would a 10 look like? If this isn't a 10, then what would be a 10? I, I can't know. answer that for you. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that. I may, uh, may come back to that later. Uh, and I think I basically just did the same thing for uh, secondary characters. Didn't like Chris Pratt? What? I know. I did. I did. <laughs> I did like Chris Pratt. It's really interesting because I, I, I loved him in uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Great character. Just great acting. Very well done. Uh, even as like the adventure dude in like Jurassic World, like that was weird. Oh yeah, I did not expect that at all. But he did it. It worked. Yeah, and the only saving grace of those movies. Yeah, first one was okay. Second one, oof. And uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which oh yeah, uh, are we going to review that sometime? Uh, we surely are. Um, the first Monday of October, whatever that date is. Keep an eye out. All right. Um, so seeing him in this was like very different from those two. I even, I even commented to you, Rachel, about how like his posture, he was so slumped over, like his shoulders, yeah. so round shoulder and a little mustache and just like, I don't know. That was like a totally different way of seeing him. Am I Although- talking myself out of giving a... Nine out of ten? I think I just did. Yeah. I do think... I think this movie is a really interesting one to talk about with Chris Pratt specifically. I know he wasn't in it that much, but I just pulled up his IMDb page. Because I do think when he was cast in this movie... I mean, I don't think this. I Mm -hmm. I absolutely know it. They had no idea that Chris Pratt was going to be the next great action star. Right. He was the Andy Dwyer. Not he, the, was, uh, he was Andy Dwyer um, in, in Parks and Rec. And he did do... Um, so Parks and Rec started in uh, 2009. So let me go back to 2009. Let's see what he did. Well, um, even just comparing those two roles, he kind of had the affable goof thing going on. Yeah. Um, he was like... Felt he, very genuine, just like in Parks and Rec. He reminded me in this, he was like Andy Dwyer trying to be Ron Swanson. <laughs> that was his role in this movie, which I love. I love it. Okay. Okay. But So his roles, like up to this point, he was in Parks and Rec, of course, so pretty much everybody knew him as Andy Dwyer. In 2011, he was in Moneyball, uh, which I have Never not seen. Yeah, me neither. So I don't know how big of a role he had in it. Um, he was in a lot of little things that I don't recognize. And then um, the five-year engagement where he was basically Andy Dwyer again, if I recall. Yeah. Okay. That was 2012. But then also 2012 is when we get Zero Dark Thirty, which I haven't seen. But what I understood, that was like the first movie he like bulked up for. And that was when people started seeing him as something something someone like (laughs) other than andy dwyer he's like oh maybe he doesn't have to be typecast right and then you have guardians of the galaxy in 2014 so between zero dark 30 and guardians of the galaxy you have this movie where he's kind of like so he's he's bulked up He's, he's He must be bulked up Unless, I mean, sometimes filming Especially for more indie movies yeah. Maybe he filmed it before But I certainly he couldn't have filmed it before Zero Dark Thirty, so I'm sure he was bulked up But he's still playing Andy Dwyer 
So it's a, cause that was also an awkward time phrase for Parks and Rec where he's like, I just stopped drinking beer and now I lost some weight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, one of my favorite okay. jokes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just think it's an interesting time period for him where like he's still kind of playing the lovable goop and he's kind of losing yeah, the baby yeah. face, but he's also still kind of a dork. I don't know. It's just, I've talked way too long about Chris Pratt. He was not in this movie enough to warrant this much airtime. <laughs> I realize that. But I think it's really interesting to just... Where he was as an actor when this movie came out was like on the cusp of stardom. And it's a really interesting movie to look at with that perspective. Yeah. Of like, they, they just had no idea that they cast Star-Lord in their movie. Like It's, just, right. it's crazy. Yeah, or, yeah. or the next guy who's going to be in Indiana... Or not Indiana Jones, although... He would make a good Indiana Jones, yeah. but uh, Jurassic I, Park. I believed you for a second there. Um, there. There were rumors for a while, but I think uh, I think Harrison Ford's really not going to give up that reign. We're going to have old Indy if we ever have a Indiana Jones yeah. five. Well, he was supposed to be like a professor or something. Um, yeah, that was uh, more than I expected either of us to say. I just wanted to point <laughs> out it was really cool seeing him and. Yeah. I liked that, like his physicality, how he acted, yeah. his posture, absolutely was not Andy Dwyer. It was not Star Lord, right? I thought that was really neat, especially for something that's a pretty minor role. Absolutely, yeah. Was there anything else for acting and casting? So there is definitely a big thing we need to talk about within this category. A lot of this I'm going to save for the because there's a lot to talk about with Scarlett Johansson as far as comparing and contrasting these two roles. Yes, I forgot to bring that up. Um, but I do think it's interesting to know. Like I've said, pretty much every movie that we've reviewed that has Scarlett Johansson in it, I have made the comment that's like, I know this sounds really mean, but <laughs> Scarlett Johansson is the best when she doesn't talk because right. she's such a good face actor. And I really think this is the movie that makes me not feel bad about saying that because I'm like, she is at her best when she's got the face acting going on, but she's still crazy amazing when she's just talking. Yeah. Like she's like, yeah, that, that is really amazing that they took this. I think everyone agrees. She's a sexy lady. Uh, everyone likes looking at her male or female, mm-hmm. gay or straight, whatever. You can appreciate good beauty. And then have her just talking. It's like, that's... It's bold. Yeah, that's bold. And it works. It works really, really well. I yeah. think what's uh, what's particularly bold about this casting decision, I don't know how much, how much you're aware of this, but the role of Samantha was actually, like, recast really late in the game. I did see that. Like, they wrapped, like, they were in editing. They were getting ready to wrap, and they're like, this isn't working. And they had, uh, I'm actually not familiar with this actor, but I think she's pretty well established. I think she's, like, not, not I think. I know she's a very well-established actor, especially <laughs> in, in, like, British film i think um but anyway samantha morton is her name i'm embarrassed to admit i don't know who that is because like i said i think she's a pretty big name um but she originally did it and she would like like they didn't want to just dub or like you know do like okay you're gonna go in a sound booth and record everything and we'll just splice it in they actually had her on set 
like feeding the lines to Joaquin Phoenix so that he could react like fresh her, with her. Her the original voice. Her being Samantha Morton. Samantha yeah. Morton. Okay. So she was like on set. They like built a sound booth for her on set so she could like. Wow. Yeah. So it was like a big decision, and they actually. A lot of, I believe, a lot of Scarlett Johansson's lines, she did end up going into a into a booth and recording them. But they also reshot scenes really late in the game so that they could get Joaquin's feet, like get a new take because okay. they have this new actor who's going to deliver things very differently. So it was like a really big change, and um, yeah, yeah, a wow. really a really bold change. And I think it worked really. I feel really bad for Samantha Morton because that's I feel like I've heard quotes from her and she's like she's like oh no it was totally the right decision like I, I support it I'm not bitter about it like I, I feel yeah. like she's she was pretty on board and I'm she, she still got paid there's still there's still <laughs> actors guild it's not like oh man not, like, she, she cried all the way to the bank on that one <laughs> I mean I'm sure she doesn't get royalties because she doesn't show up in it so that part sucks yeah. but you know she is from what I from my understanding she's very understanding of like like, yeah. oh, no, it was the right choice. This was a brilliant decision. Well, they did that with Darth Vader. So she's in good company, I guess. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm trying to find, like, what else she's been in or, or what she has been in. Well, she's so, actually in some episodes of The Walking Dead, but I don't think I've seen them. So I'm that's far behind on that show. That's pretty interesting because it seems uh, from the bit that I read about Walking Phoenix on the uh, on the Internet – the tubes uh (laughs) he seems like a pretty big method actor really tries to stay in character and so i'm guessing this was well it's it's a shortish indie-ish film so it probably wasn't like two years later he had to come back and redo these scenes it was a couple months Seems about right, maybe. I don't know, a couple weeks, couple months. Probably no more than six months. But but that's that's interesting that. I don't think any nothing stood out as like oh that's an obvious reshoot like his hair is so different oh yeah no it was seamless like like things changed but they changed because time happened <laughs> right absolutely so wow that's that's really really good job for costumes editing hair mm-hmm. all of that man someone's gonna get an eleven <laughs> I don't I was looking at her. At Samantha Morton's IMDb, and the only thing I, I recognize her as being in is Schenectady, New York. She was in. Oh, as who? Hazel, which I believe is the tattoo the artist tattoo who falls in love artist. with the wife. Okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, or was that the daughter? And she played. I'm sure it would say. Adult. I think it was the daughter because I was think it? all the females that he interacted with were named after plants and flowers. Yeah. It's been too long since I've seen it, and that's a crazy movie. Anyways. It's a crazy. I, I also, can't, Spike Jones, right? No, that's a Charlie Kaufman, his directorial debut. Spike Jones, a writer in the beginning. I know he's no Spike Jones directed um, being John Malkovich an adaptation, which Charlie Kaufman wrote. Oh, okay. But yeah, so I definitely wanted to talk about that recast because that's, I mean, to recast so late in the game and then yeah. how it works. So because I mean, you'll hear about things like like Suicide Squad, where it's like, oh, yeah, we have all these reshoots we're going to make. Right, and that's like, a bad example. Right, and it's so, like, you watch it, and I'm like, I'm bad at noticing things, and I can tell her hair is different from shot to shot, like, or her makeup, or I mostly noticed it with Harley Quinn, because it yeah. was, I don't know, that's just something that I remember from that movie. 
Um, so it's usually not a great idea when it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna like change this one giant thing and and you know reshoots. Right. Um, but man, they pulled it off, and and I can't picture or imagine, I guess, anyone else voicing Samantha. Yeah. Yeah, she just has just the right balance of like, I mean, she's got the like classic like husky is always a word that is used to describe her voice <laughs> that I guess is a good thing. And um, then she has like a playfulness. She has like a giddy giggle that she'll do from time to time. And I don't yeah. know. She just like hits all the right notes and it like evolves too. Like you can tell like in the beginning, oh, yeah, definitely. it's much more surface level. And then by the end, she has like all these emotions that she is. It's like, you can tell her emotional, journey by like yeah, the yeah. way she talks and like the the Kate like he even points out like why do you sigh like that you don't need to breathe right. like I'm communicating that's how people communicate but I'm just yeah 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 so I don't even know where I'm going with that other than just Scarlett Johansson was amazing in this movie yeah just talking about acting and casting yeah that is super amazing that they made such a huge change so late oh yeah and it paid off so well mm-hmm. and worked so seamlessly absolutely that's just like a testament to how how well crafted and, and 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 how good at their jobs that everyone who worked on this is yeah the other thing i wanted to know we just talked a lot about scarlett johansson and weirdly we talked a lot about chris pratt one person we haven't talked a lot about yet is joaquin phoenix um, oh man and, is that oh face acting that's yeah. the first category uh-huh. dude that guy's eyebrows oh my and god that, oh man yeah and there were so many close-ups i mean this movie starts with like a 30 or 40 or 60 second close-up yeah like right on his face most of the movie is right on his yeah. face honestly so much of it is that dude just nails it oh yeah I don't think there's very many other actors you could cast that could get that emotion across. Yeah, and and I uh, I looked up what other movies he's been in, and the only one that I recognized was Gladiator, and he was uh, I'm guessing Emperor Commodus. Um, Sounds right. I've only seen that movie once. And yeah, I was, me like, too. Way too young to be watching it. Yeah, so the only other time I've seen him, it wasn't really a about him it wasn't a lot of close-ups it wasn't a lot of like feelings and dealing with feelings and hearing feelings and reacting to feelings and 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 seeing him in this man that dude nailed it i think one of my favorite well i don't know about favorite scenes but one of the best examples of his face acting i mean it's fantastic throughout (laughs) one this is another example of the humor in the movie too is the uh when he's doing the phone sex the with cat? the yeah. cat and like uh, who's the actress who does that? Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig, that's right. <laughs> like the the whole scene, like it plays out, like, okay, this is just kind of awkward to be watching as like a voyeur watching this movie. It's just like, okay, this is all pretty standard. And it gets to <laughs> choke me with the cat, the dead cat on the table. <laughs> and the look on his face, like he goes from like so disappointed, super confused, just slightly disgusted, and then finally like, well, I guess I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> just the, the range of emotions. It's almost like he goes through like the five stages of guilt. <laughs> or not guilt, the five stages of, of grief, I mean. Like just in that like ten seconds where it's just like, 
what? Ew, why? Okay, like he could have <laughs> just hung up. <laughs> oh, no, man. I think that's a big part of his character, just like with the uh, surrogate, the actual literal surrogate. Yeah. He's like, this is a bad idea, this is weird, but, you know, I'm, he's, he's a people person, he's there to please, he, he wants to satisfy a woman. That sounds yeah. weird when I say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was amazing face acting. Yeah. And that was face acting because that's the only thing on the screen is his mm-hmm. face. Absolutely. It's not even obscured by a phone because it's this tiny little earpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also love another scene that really relies on his face acting and that is really funny, but also like sad. Like this movie does a lot of that where it's like, I'm laughing, but I'm also sad. <laughs> There's the scene where where he tells the surrogate, where he's like, I I just can't do this. And it's like, she goes into the bathroom yeah. and she's crying. He's like, no, 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 oh. it's not you. And then like, you know, Samantha's trying to to cheer the, the surrogate up and he's trying to explain himself. And he's like going back and forth, like, look to one side when he's talking to samantha and then look to the to the bathroom door when he's talking to the surrogate and he's just like i i how did this how, <laughs> yeah. what and he's got these two hysterical women and he's just like <laughs> i i just i just i didn't want any of this like <laughs> it's just yeah. the look on his face is so perfect and that was a great scene and it really like even though i was laughing during the scene i'm like this is funny but i feel so bad for that girl I feel so bad for all of them all three yeah. of them i mean her a lot but all three of them like they're just trying to make it work and, and do something and you know yeah. samantha's like thinking this is the greatest idea she's ever had and right it's gonna bring them together and he's like no what what are you talking about but i guess i'll go along with it and she's just some confused girl trying to be a part of a perfect relationship yeah like that was a really really neat plot point yeah and very well face acted (laughs) i agree all right was there anything else you want to add for acting and casting no i think i said so much (laughs) what was your total score 9.8 Actually, me too. Yeah, this is getting each, for me, so far, each one is getting higher and higher. All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be cinematography lighting. I am pretty excited to talk about this one, uh, which I keep saying that for every single category. It's, just, it's more true <laughs> for this movie every than single time. You've even pointed it out I know. this time. But still, I'm pretty excited because I... I'm pretty disappointed to talk about this one. Aww. No, I'm not. <laughs> I love the cinematography in this movie. Yeah. I think it is some of the most beautiful. Like, it definitely, like, everything looks, like, not just the way it's framed, which we'll get to in the next uh, category, but just the the coloring and the yeah um, the the lighting like the contrasts and just every aspect of the way this movie is lit makes it look like it's just got like a soft like oil painting quality to it like it's yeah. just like everything just has a, a gloss to it which is perfect for this movie because it's so much about you know, ideals and, and looking back and remember, like that's about half the movie is, is looking right, back right. and remembering things with rose tinted glasses. And right. Like, like that, I don't know, Instagram filter. This is a memory. <laughs> this is a perfect memory that you're looking at kind of thing. Right. It's got yeah. that, 
you know, heavenly glow. Everything's really soft focus. Um, yeah, even the, even the weather is uh, LA weather. Well, I don't know about that. It's kind of kind of overcast in the best oh, way yeah. possible. In the way that I like overcast. There's no bright lights. There's no dark yeah. shadows. Uh, the sky didn't look super brown, so it didn't seem that LA to me. Well, all the, I think most of the exterior shots they shot in Shanghai, which we'll get to. Yeah. Although it's not like China doesn't have pollution either. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, whatever they did worked. Yeah. Yeah, it looked almost more like uh, like San Francisco to me. I could see that. Yeah, it did have just that. It was like a gray fog overcast. Yeah. Like you wear a cardigan when walking <laughs> home from work. Sure. That kind of thing. Were there any um, any outliers? Uh, storytelling is. And this one, as I'm saying it, I'm rethinking it. Because with storytelling, it reminds me maybe more of like Marvel and X-Files where there's like really bright lights and really dark shadows and um, like super, super warm colors versus versus super, super cool colors and super gray and black and white versus like bright, vibrant colors, like like almost over the top. Sure. Well, no, not almost over the top. Definitely over the top. I know this is more wardrobe than lighting, but like in Star Wars, the good guys wear white and the bad guys wear black. Sure. And the stormtroopers wear white over black because they're the good guys, but not really. And then Han Solo wears black over white because he's the bad guy, but not really. So that's what lighting for storytelling I think of is, is that like over the topness. And again, that's probably just because we watch a lot of Marvel and X-Files and, and yeah. they tend to do that. This one did not do that. It goes back to what I said about having like that sort of overcast San Francisco grayness, which I actually think is very beautiful. That's my favorite weather. Yeah, I think it. Well, I don't want to interrupt. Um, so I, I knocked it down a little bit, but I I. I don't know. Maybe that's just my own quirky interpretation of storytelling through lighting. I think it's a good interpretation. I just think I'm trying to put a good word on it. Um, that I'm an idiot? <laughs> no. I think there's maybe a, a perceptual difference of what is over the top. Because I feel mm -hmm. like I gave storytelling a 10 because I do think it goes over the top but in the best way possible as far as storytelling goes like it's not you know the the contrast of x-files it's not people walking around with flashlights it's okay. not it's okay. not that yeah, kind yeah. of over the top because that's not this isn't a dark gritty story that's not the story that is being told this is a story about memories about ideals about wistfully dreaming about the future about romance like it's all of these positive bright soft things and so the lighting is bright and soft and you get these and I do think it's it's over the top like I think like so many of those memories yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, the memories have that like every single memory almost has magic hour and a soft gloss filter and a little bit of slight slow motion and you know it's got that 
over the top, like you said, almost like an Instagram filter, but in the best way possible. Like it's it's going over the top, right. but it's it's doing that to tell the story and to get the themes across without the characters having to say, "Oh, I think about her constantly." You don't have to hear him say okay, those words yeah, yeah. because we see those memories and we see how he's remembering her, not just that he's remembering her. So is it just the the flashbacks, just the the, the reminiscence? I think that's where it's strongest, but I think it's it's pretty consistent throughout because you have uh, the opposite about like when he's alone in his apartment, especially before he gets Samantha, before he gets the, the OS one. And even yeah. after, if she's not turned on, it's usually nighttime when he's in his apartment. It's yeah. usually has that little bit of a blue tint to the lighting. It's a little bit more drab. It doesn't have that glossy sheen. And then once Samantha comes into his life, his apartment is brighter and warmer and you get a little bit more of that magic hour ish i don't think you ever actually see magic hour in his apartment that i can recall but it it has it has a warmness to it that it didn't before and it has a a softness to it that it didn't before so i think it still it carries over from the memories as he's forming new memories i think so i think this story for me at least um I thought the storytelling was, was okay. really strong. Yeah, yeah. I th- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, on that note, I will say that I gave um, realism uh, a 9.5 out of 10 because I do think um, that I th- because of the over-the-topness, it worked in right. every other way. It gets the mood across. It gets the beauty across. It gets the storytelling across. Like it's just it, it hits all the other subcategories perfectly. Right. Um, but as far as the realism goes, it's not the most realistic. Or it's not I, realistic I at see all. That. Like it, it, it. You don't have to apply that Instagram filter to every single exactly. second. Exactly. Which literally the no the note that I have, I still gave it a nine point five for realism. Like it's still because I think it it works that it doesn't feel realistic all the time. But I feel like those scenes, like where he's alone in his apartment or, you know, when he's feeling sad, when he's uh, when he has the the lunch with Catherine and he gets you know angry and all these old emotions dredge up. Like, I feel like some of those scenes, you know, not not ugly. It shouldn't be ugly lighting. Everyone should still look good, but they could have gone. Right you know, a little bit less. Um, so the note that I have, I just put life should be allowed to be a little ugly at times <laughs> is what I put on my note, but still gave it a 9.5. Um, but everything else in this category for me, easily tens. And that was for realism for realism. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to rethink my storytelling thing. Cause I, I, I think I like the metaphor of an Instagram filter. And I yeah. think, I think I was viewing it as good storytelling is the Instagram filter that like maximizes the contrast and, and forces you to look at the thing you should look at. Okay. Which is one way of doing things. Sure. Um, but then I think another Instagram filter, which is, I'm, I don't know why I'm using this metaphor. I've never even used Instagram. I was going to say, you don't even have an Instagram for the record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but. To continue the metaphor, um, another way of doing it is to turn down the contrast and to, to, to soften everything and to, 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 to not force you to look at one particular thing. To not yeah. say, this is the hero in the heroic lighting or this is the villain in the villainous lighting. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think 
if I change my mind on that and, and say that this doesn't use what I thought was the storytelling Instagram filter, <laughs> but it uses a different one, then yeah, I, I can totally appreciate that, that that's a good filter and it's 100% appropriate. I'm going to, I'm going to change that from a seven to a 10. Wow. That's a big change. I'm going to pat myself on the back for changing your minds. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that changed this score. That's also, yeah, that's going to change how I, how I, uh, how I judge this subcategory for everything from now on. Wow. Well then I'm extra God that we watched this movie and talked about it. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you want to add for for cinematography lighting? It was beautiful. It was. This is another movie. I, I could literally watch it on mute and just marvel at the pretty pictures. Like it's yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's even a movie. Like there were several times where I was just kind of watching the movie and I'm like, you know what? Like legit, I think I could like get a canvas with that frame printed on it and just hang it up on my wall as if it was a painting. And I would feel not embarrassed about having that hanging in my house. Like, yeah. like uh, almost every, every scene had a, had a shot where I was yeah. just like, even well, no, I'm going to restrain because yeah. we're getting into restrain. camera work. Yeah, yeah. We're getting into camera work. So I'll, I'll save it. But yeah, specifically with the lighting, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. I also love, I guess this is a little bit into camera work as well, but I feel like it works with lighting with this movie is the, uh, the lens flares combined with the depth of focus. Like you get almost like, oh. um, like the little, the circle, like the perfect circles of light. Like I noticed the lens soft. flares. I don't think I noticed the depth of focus. That's interesting. Yeah. Like they were like the lens flares were in the background instead of the foreground. I don't even know if lens flares is the right word for it, okay. but it, look, it looks like a bunch of little circles, like pines. It's just these lights. Sure. But then they, you know, blur out and just become these circles so is that this category or the next one? I don't know. Because, I mean, it ha- deals with depth of focus and with composition, but then also it's lighting. All right. Kind so, of both. So, so uh, like the scene on the beach where he's lying down and there's... I don't think it was... Some lens there, flare that happens? I don't... Is that, is that a scene you're talking about or is, is there a specific I think example? Was, I'm trying to remember which scenes it was. And I think it was explicit or not explicitly, exclusively in the night scenes because i think it's you i think it's like city lights like when there's okay. a lot of lights in the background but the depth of focus is just right so those lights become i guess lens flare isn't the right word because it's not really lens flare it's just like lights in the background that kind of swell out and blur and and become just these circles in the background hmm. okay yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah, I guess that is depth of focus. I always think of it as, as like transitioning from foreground to background or like something dramatic that's like, hey, I'm going to smack you in the face <laughs> with some uh, transitions and between the foreground and background. Oh, look at me. I learned this in, in film class. And this <laughs> is my art project. But yeah, I guess I, I, guess I, never, I never really thought that, that it could be uh, less obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man, I, I gotta rethink a few things. All right. What was your final score then? Final score for lighting was a nine point six. That is uh, pretty close to mine, but I'm still a bit higher. Mine came out to a, a nine point nine. Very close to perfect. It was just that realism. 
So, so there was a minus 0.5 for realism. There was, just because... Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, I just it, feel like there were a few scenes that I feel like could have benefited with a little bit more realistic lighting. Do you, do you think... Which which scenes? Not Like, not mm-hmm. the specific, like, time... Yeah, time I know, stamp. I know. But, I know. Um, the oh, one that comes to mind, which did have different... Like, it was more... I had like noon lighting almost or like overhead lighting yeah. but the um the lunch scene with the ex-wife yeah, i feel okay. like could have maybe it did still look different though so that's probably a bad example or maybe some of the scenes with amy just because those were kind of different than the scenes with samantha maybe those okay. i don't know i'd have to watch the movie again specifically with that question in mind and maybe if i did i would realize i was wrong and, and knock it back up to a 10 i don't know yeah that's i, I... I think I get what you're saying. It's like you need you this this movie's so dreamy and so out there that you need like the harsh light of truth. In this case, literally the harsh right. light of truth to say to say something somewhere. Which I think is the more I think about it, I think that is what Spike Jones was doing and the cinematographer who I forgot to look up the name. Um, but I think that's probably what they were trying to do with that lunch scene with Catherine because it was like instead of that overcast it was very much so like a noon perfectly evenly lit like it was definitely brighter than everything else it seemed a little washed out yeah but I almost feel like like because we had that scene maybe there needed to be something that was darker so like we have the light and we have the dark and then everything else is maybe or I mean I'm just thinking out loud I like I said I could watch the yeah. film with with this question in mind and realize that that I'm wrong <laughs> wouldn't be the first time but that's just my gut feeling is I just feel like there could have been a little bit more realism not too much more because this is definitely a movie that thrives with the dreamlike nature and the and the rose tinted glasses maybe the ending. Not the ending on the roof, because that was perfect mm-hmm. just the way it was, but <laughs> <laughs> like the scene where he's on the bed and she's talking to him and they're saying their goodbyes, maybe that could have been okay. different somehow. I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking out loud. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's kind of like a gut feeling. You got to yeah. think about it a bit. I get it. I mean, it would still have to like stylistically fit. Like you couldn't do something totally crazy, but... There's got to be like a middle ground between realism and the stylized for just a couple scenes. I don't know. It, it was my gut. Hmm. But that's what kept it from a perfect score for me. But easily one of the most beautiful movies ever. Oh, yeah. Easily some of the best cinematography. Um, I don't even think this movie was nominated for cinematography. For the, I could be wrong on that. Because I feel like most people just talk about the fact that it won best script. And they just kind of don't mention the nominees. Yeah, well, man, not to drag this category out even more, <laughs> but now that you mention it, um, I think everything in this movie was very framed. Yeah. It was within a room. It was within a train car. It was uh, framed by a window. Even when it was out in nature, it was like framed by trees. Yeah. There, there was no, not that I can think of, any like wide open expansive veranda viewing the uh the valley the california valley or something yeah so yeah that's interesting i I wouldn't say it was like claustrophobic no but it was very it's very personal personal yeah yeah personal man it's it's like you know what you're talking about (laughs) 
huh, yeah, I just got that. Interesting. So I did just look it up, not to totally change subjects, but um, I did just look it up for the Academy Awards. The only one it won was Best Original Screenplay, which I'm glad it did. It was nominated for Best Picture, which... I guess it just didn't even stand a chance. I don't remember what it was up against. Is that like the best in show? Yeah, which it was nominated for but didn't win. Uh, Best original score it was nominated for and didn't win. And best original song uh, for the Moon Song. (laughs) And and best production design, which it lost. We'll get into that later. Production design, is that the technical? um, It's basically environmental aesthetics. Okay particularly sets and props not so much locations but set design okay yeah i could see that that makes sense didn't even get nominated for costumes i should have brought this up at the end maybe i'll scratch (laughs) scratch all this future rachel i remind me to bring this up at the end because i have some things I, i have some questions for the academy um hopefully i'll remember to come back to that anyway All right, so all that said, that's going to bring us to the second half of the cinematography. That's going to be cinematography, camera work. Um, And wouldn't you know it, I'm excited to talk about this one. I'm going to let you go first. I guess... I guess one thing, I kind of started to talk about this and I and I reeled it in. So I guess I'll start here. One thing that I, I really, really love about the camera work of this movie is some of the subtle POV shots. Maybe subtle isn't the right word, but there's particularly towards the end of the movie, we just get these yeah. these shots like um, we got a couple different ones when uh, after the surrogate leaves and he's like sitting on the street corner talking to Samantha and we see like he's just looking at some stains on the sidewalk. Yeah. And they pull that shot for a while. That was pretty interesting. It was interesting. And then it goes from that. And then you just see the manhole with steam coming out of it. Right. right. And I think those are the only two you get there. And then at the end, there's a very similar thing. And it's like the most beautiful shot in the whole film, I think. And it's when he's lying on the bed, saying, essentially saying his goodbyes to the woman he loves yeah. and realizing he'll probably never talk to her again. And we just see his his point of view. And it's just like the corner of the bed and, and dust motes floating, yeah, yeah. floating through a, a stream of light. Right. And she's talking about like this, like expansive ideas. Of, yeah. Like transcending reality and going on to some other plane. And he's looking at these bits of dust floating through nothingness and yeah. landing on the bed sheets. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit, not as I watched it, but as I'm talking about it now, it reminds me sort of of the. Emily Dickinson poem. I forget what it's called. It might just be called The Fly, but it's a poem about somebody dying and like they're expecting to see some big white light before they die and then they just see a fly and then they <laughs> die. Classic Emily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it kind of reminds I mean, even though he's not the one dying, it kind of reminded me of like this big yeah, idea yeah. contrasted with this mundaneness. It's great. I, I legitimately think it's the most beautiful shot in the whole film and it's dust motes like floating and but it's just yeah you're such a film nerd yeah it's so beautiful though and within the context of the movie and everything we've seen up until that point oh yeah i get excited just talking about it it's beautiful you mentioned uh the scene where he's like sitting on the sidewalk kind of arguing with samantha and there's like the the close-up of the side of the uh the, the the pavement 
the close-up of the manhole. Yeah. And that kind of felt like an art movie, art movie? That's not what they're called. Art house movie? A pretentious movie. I mean, this pretentious film movie. This movie kind of is. It just happens to be really good. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's spoiler alert. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Sorry. (laughs) Like that was like over the top. Like if I wanted to make a spoof of this movie, that's what I would do, and that's what this movie did. But I wasn't annoyed by it. It actually worked. Uh, Again, like so many other things, that's a testament to how well everything was done and how well crafted and how how well everything lines up. But it's it's not really like over the top. Everything is done in just the right amount at just the right time. Absolutely. Was there anything else that stood out for camera Um, work? Not really. I gave. I'm questioning what I what I gave some things here. I. I gave camera movement a 9 out of 10, and I'm not entirely sure why. I think what I was thinking when I gave that is, like, there, there's some great scenes throughout the movie where the camera kind of, like, listlessly, or that's not quite the right word I'm looking for. Uh, Meanderingly? Yeah, like, it's just very, it, like, floats through. Especially, I think, okay. maybe he's in the memories Um, Or maybe it's when he was talking to Samantha. I don't even remember where it was, but I really liked it. And I feel like I was thinking, like, well, I think there wasn't enough of it. Which, like, blatantly goes against what I was saying with realism, (laughs) where I'm like, there needs to be more realism. All the time. I'm knocking it down. Floaty cam all the time. And then, yeah, now I'm like, there wasn't enough dreamlike feels knocking it down. So I think I'm going to give it a 9.5 instead of a 9. Because if, if I don't think it's perfect, I don't think it's perfect. Even if I can't explain it, if the gut feeling's not there, I'm not going to give it a 10 no matter how much I love it. Um, and I feel <laughs> like with camera movement with this one, it's not there. But very close. I'm going to do a 9.5. And then for, for basically the same exact reason I gave overall camera work a 9.5, I feel like... I don't know. There's just something. I feel like it could have gone a little bit farther. But that could very well be another one of those things that if I watch it a, a third time, I guess, with that in mind, they would be like, oh, no, I didn't. I, I wasn't even paying attention to all this stuff yeah, going on. Yeah. This is brilliant. Don't change a thing. Like, Yeah, there's so much going on. I could totally see that. Like, if, yeah. you, if you view this movie looking for that, you'll get a totally different score than if you view this movie, like, just to view it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I, I think that's one of the strengths of this movie is there's such attention to detail. And, and I, I, I seriously doubt that that all the people involved were like, oh, yeah, camera movement. I forgot that. Right. Like, I'm sure that was storyboarded and it went back and forth and that that, that wasn't like left to chance. Was there anything else you wanted to add for this category? My lowest is camera angles. OK, I gave that one a perfect 10. Um, well, do you want to explain why you gave it the, you were looking at me like you're, you're waiting yeah. for me to, to come back no, it, to you. It, it, was a, it was a little bit of a challenge because I know you gave it a higher score than I did. I did. I gave it a perfect 10, pretty much for the same reasons, um, that I talked about as far as, uh, like mise-en-scene and storytelling goes. Um, like as far as like the memories, like when we see those, like not all of them, but some of them have like a, a first person POV where we're seeing things from his point yeah, of view, yeah. which is really nice. And, um, and then, and then those shots for that, like the, the POV shots, the POV being point of view, I guess. Uh, but those shots 
where like like it's not necessarily a weird camera angle in that like it's not a dutch angle it's not an extreme high angle it's not a right. low like it's not that kind of a camera angle but it's still pointing the camera in a direction you wouldn't normally point it to really really great effect so in that regard i still i considered those hmm. camera angles and i think it worked really really well so okay i think for me uh, I, I didn't see any Asgardian angles. <laughs> what was your total score then? Unless there's anything else you want to add. Total score for cinematography camera work is 9.0. The lowest score so far. That's impressive. Uh, mine was... I know. I'm such a downer <laughs> usually. Mine was a 9.8. Uh, like most of these categories, very, very close to perfect. Definitely outstanding. Yeah, it's, it's great. Wow. Well, what about the editing and special effects? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Just say yes. I mean, <laughs> editing, I don't know why I never have more to say about editing. You were an editor. I know. You edited. But I didn't edit, like, movies. It wasn't this type of stuff. You edited shitty car commercials and mm-hmm. awesome YouTube videos. Those are both accurate. But it's so hard for me. Like, if I don't know what the original footage was, it's so hard. I, I do know I do know that he had, Spike Jones had a really hard time editing this down. Like, he worked really closely with his editor and he tried. Like, he, the first draft of this movie was, like, two and a half hours long. The final draft was about two hours, to give you an idea. Okay. And uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't figure out what to cut. So he actually, so he ended up giving his, this, uh, the, the two and a half hour cut of his film, he gave it to Steven Soderbergh and was like, can you help me out with this? So he spent a weekend and cut it down from two and a half hours to 90 minutes. And that's not the cut that they use. The, the movie's, like I said, it's about two hours long. But that was it. He was able to see, like, okay, what did he think was unnecessary? And, like, did he rearrange stuff? How did he tell the story? And then he was able to use that to kind of help him hmm. figure out what to get rid of. That's a neat idea. Yeah. And, and especially um, just kind of knowing that anecdote kind of helps me. Because there's no, like, like this is a movie where there, there's, like, almost no special features. There's one, like, 15-minute featurette that's, like, not even hmm. really about the making of the movie. It's, like, interviews mm-hmm. with people about their reactions to the movie, which is interesting. But, like, I still want to know how they made the movie. Um, especially for a movie like this. So it's hard. Like, usually there'll be, like, deleted scenes. Like, even Lost in Translation had some deleted scenes, and it's like, oh, good, I'm glad they deleted <laughs> Yeah, that. we like, don't need ten minutes of Bill Murray <laughs> splashing around in a pool with a bunch of old Japanese ladies. Right, that's literally what one of the deleted scenes was, or shortened scenes or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so it's hard with a movie like this, where it's like, when you don't have those deleted scenes, like, well, I don't know what they cut out. I don't know, you know... Right. I, I don't know. So knowing that anecdote kind of helps. Be like, okay, they did have stuff they got rid of. And I'm glad they, because as much as I love this movie, half an hour longer is a long time. I probably would have still liked it, but some of these scores probably would have been lower too. So which do you go with? Like, like I'm glad he went right, with, right. with the shorter draft. So yeah, that's really, I guess that's the, the biggest thing. And then I also just, just going back to the memories. I know I keep talking about them, but they are like half the movie practically. I did think the memories were were sliced in in just the right moments and for just the right amount of time. Yeah, that that was really cool. I was like just just like a second or two. Yeah, just like real life. 
Like you're just minding your own business and like, bam. Right. Yeah. I thought that was really cool too. I did give, I gave Pace the same score here as I did in writing, which was a 9.5. I think that's what I gave it in writing. Um, yeah. So it's still for, for all the same reasons. Cause I feel like it was definitely a joint combination of, of the writing and the editing with this movie. And it's yeah. still really good. Like the, I was never bored and it, yeah, it tells yeah. the story in just the right amount of time. Um, there's just something telling me it's not perfect. So, so pace, I didn't give a perfect time. That was 9.5. And And movement, again, I gave a 9.5. I don't know what I was... I really seem to be harping on the movement. So the editing movement is, like, how well the movie overall flowed and how well it moved from scene to scene, right? Right, and, like... But like the classic example of Liam Neeson jumping over France, you have to have <laughs> 10 edits to get that movement to work. That's yeah. not great, but if you have two or three shots that you're able to splice together and make it look like it's all one take and you barely notice it, then that's good editing, or at least better. I mean, ideally it's, it's good better. editing, it's bad everything else. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's why we don't like action movies. Yeah. But, yeah, so movement is like, how well do they cut on movement? Can, can, can you tell it's multiple takes if they cut between one movement and the next? It's, it's more okay. applicable in like more action-y movies and superhero movies, but this movie still has action. You still have people running around quite a bit. Yeah, no, I think this also applies to this because it's it's almost the opposite. It's 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 holding a scene for a very long time. Yeah, which I do definitely appreciate. I know it's not your uh, your your Joss Whedon action oneer that you love so much, which I agree is well done. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like holding a scene for a long time—that's that's also um, good editing. Absolutely, it can be at least. Yeah. Yeah, knowing knowing when to make that cut. So it sounds this sounds ridiculous, and it sounds like an over exaggeration, but I swear it's not. For anybody listening who's about to roll their eyes, but like if you cut half a second too early or half a second too late like it changes the flow and it changes like the way the scenes play yeah, out it could yeah. make it could be the difference between noticing an edit and not noticing an edit and more often than not you want to not notice the edits right right you know unless you're doing like a creative smash cut or something like that um which i am a sucker for i do like those <laughs> but they have to be used sparingly and in just the right place Right, um, like where someone says, "What could possibly go wrong?" Right. Smash cut to everything going wrong. Right, but yeah, I don't really have a specific reason for not giving movement a perfect ten, because I do like that there's not as much movement, and when there is movement, it's handled really well. Uh, but I guess my gut was just that it wasn't perfect, and uh, I'll, I'll honor my gut, I guess, and and leave it. But still, really yeah. high scores overall yeah so far this is the only category that does not get any perfect tens i'm not i'm not super sure why because like you said it has has good editing and there's not a lot of special effects in the terms of like cgi and explosions and and whatever i mean i i assume there isn't maybe there is maybe this is all just a bunch of jackasses with green spandex and a I, green background. I mean, it's not that crazy, but I do think there's more 
more special effects than meets the eye. Uh, definitely with the, with building the city in the background. Yeah, because that they like digitally spliced in LA and Shanghai and created like this new landscape, or yeah. cityscape. I could totally see that, and that was very well done. Yeah. Maybe I should bump up the special effects. Yeah. That was one of the only ones. I, I gave two perfect tens within this. That was for special effects and storytelling. Um, and for special effects, too, I also really like how they handled, quote unquote, showing us Samantha. Like, they could have gone a lot of different routes and just having that little cigarette case. Sometimes she might draw on it or whatever. Yeah. And you have, like, when he's installing it, you have the, it's not the blue bar going across the screen, but it, you know, it was just a more aesthetically pleasing version of that. Like, Right, it's, very, it's a progress bar. We've all seen progress bars. We know what's happening as soon as we see it. Right, and it's very basic, but aesthetically pleasing. And then, you know, like, they could have had... You know, I feel like it would have been really easy to have, like, the, the what is it called? Like, when it has the up and down things to show your voice. I don't know what it's called. I'm looking you're at it right editor. now. You're an editor. I know. This is what you're looking at right now. Waveform, I think Okay, is sure. Called. Sounds right. The, I say I think that's what it's called because I'm looking at that word on my computer right now. So The, the sound <laughs> waves. You see the sound the waves. The sound waves, yeah. So, like, they could have easily had something like that. And I think... I don't know. I, I, I really like that they didn't. Like, the closest we have to anything like that right. is when you have, like, the name Samantha, like, writing itself out right. on the screen. That's, like, part of the ringtone when she, like, calls him or whatever. It's like, oh, it's Samantha calling. Like, that's the, the closest she gets to any kind of visual representation. I think that's perfect. Right. And and that, that kind of fits this, the theme that she's so disembodied that there's not even, like... Like there's not even an icon. Right. There's no there's no anything. It's just a sound. It's just a voice. It really takes that idea and pushes it like even further. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I agree. That's that's that was really cool. I like that a lot. Uh, so what was your total for editing special effects? My total was the lowest score so far, eight point eight. Wow. Which is still falling below a nine outstanding though all right uh mine is is tied for the lowest so far with plot and genre surprisingly uh and that's a 9.7 i say surprisingly just because it seems weird that plot and genre would be so low but so yeah. low is a 9.7 so i guess uh. it's i guess it's all good all right so that's gonna bring us to the sound category which is a really good one for this movie i am excited oh yeah who would have thought Wait, I, I'm sorry. Are you saying that you're excited to review this category? That is correct. Have you ever been excited to review a category of a movie? I don't think I've ever been quite this excited. All right. Every single category, <laughs> you're you're one point more excited than you were the last time. I get yeah. it. That's good. <laughs> uh, so I'll say right off the bat, I do not have any outliers one way or the other with this one. How about you? I do have a couple outliers, but one of the things that that I just got to say right off the bat, with this movie, one of the main characters is a voice. That's pretty neat. And that that uh, I think that has to be said when we're talking about sound. I don't know where to word where to where to where to place that. Storytelling, maybe. 
yeah, well, wherever I place it. I mean, it's really it gets a lot. It, characters, but yeah, it's it. Or it's everywhere. It's everything. Yeah, just I mean, like Samantha. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's transcending all the categories. All the categories get plus one. <laughs> I think that's really, really amazing that this movie relies so much on... I, I don't know if it's a narrator. Not really. Just a, it's just a character that happens to only be a voice. Um, and I think it's done very, very well. And a lot of that is because of Scarlett Johansson and her skills. And a lot of that is just uh, overall sound design, I guess. Uh, did you have any low scores? I did not. I, I have a low score on this one. I gave the... Um, score and soundtrack for Ooh, real I, I gotta i gotta recalculate this because on the one hand it's just if you use the word mopey i swear to god <laughs> it's blopey no th- we're not playing we're not playing like charades or taboo no blah, blah, blah. strike all that from the record uh the soundtrack is for the most part, it seems to me like uh, like a mopey love story soundtrack. It has like the indie things and the this and that. It has some amazing and really good stuff, especially the piano stuff, because I'm a sucker for piano. Uh, and the moon song. I yeah. totally get why that was nominated. Uh yeah, it has a, a lot of really good stuff going on. So I'm going to bump that up from a 7 to a 9. All right. I gave I gave the score and soundtrack a perfect 10. It definitely has moments where I kind of get where you're coming from yeah. where I would not I still would not use the word mopey. They even use the word in the movie, they use the word melancholy. Yeah, which like, I think like is, that's like a, the second the second scene, the second cut. Yeah. It's like, play a melancholy song. Yeah. No, play a different melancholy song. And I feel like in the beginning of the movie, they do have that more... I don't want to use the word stereotypical, because I think it still has an identity of its own, and it still serves the narrative in a unique way sure. so i don't think stereotypical is quite the more maybe more expected a little bit of a more expected. yeah it's not it's not yeah whatever never mind i'm good and i think because he's so stuck in the past in the beginning i think personally that those more like the melancholy and the the more expected kind of sappy to use another word i think you used earlier like it makes sense in the beginning of the movie because he's so stuck in the past and he just wants to like he wants to stay in that place that's where he's at in life he wants to stay there that's That's why he requests the melancholy music like that's how he wants to feel at that point in his life so that's the kind of music that we get and then as the movie moves forward we move away from that and we get a lot more like instead like I feel like the first half of the movie has more soundtracky kind of like you have music like that and then by the second half you have um I mean there's still there's non-diegetic score throughout the movie especially during like the memory scenes and things like that and those are always more 
saccharin, you know, or sappy, which is perfect yeah. for those, you know, fits the Instagram filter of those sure, things. It's, yeah. it's perfectly fit. Yeah, I'm liking that metaphor. Yeah. But um, then as, as, you know, as he gets to know Samantha, instead of having those you know, the saccharine score to go along with those memories or instead of having that soundtrack of like the more stereotypical indie melancholy music, then you start getting more cheerful piano music. She's composing the music for him. She's, you know, she she composes that song on the beach to be their photograph. She writes the moon song. Like you get this new life breathed into it. And it's not just... Because a lot of the score is diegetic, which is also really interesting, except for when he escapes into those memories. So, And then, of course, you get that saccharine, sappy type of music because that's that's that's, that's, the, that's what he's looking for. That's what that's how he wants to remember those things. So I thought I thought the score and soundtrack was phenomenal and and that feeds right into the storytelling as well. So those two categories easily that's why I gave those a perfect 10. Um, and also the the use of silence throughout this movie like a lot of those memories oh, yeah. like they'll just be a scene and then all of a sudden we'll like go into a memory and it'll be silent with maybe a little bit of music but like you don't there's no sound associated with those memories there's no words no one's talking right they're not repeating the argument we're just seeing the emotional exactly yeah yeah so so the use of silence throughout is is done extremely effectively as well um which definitely goes into that's true i didn't even think about that which is extra interesting because like we established one of the main characters is just a a voice so that that um that black and white uh very jarring uh jump from one extreme to the other yeah Yeah. wow huh i still rated it pretty high yeah it's not like you give it a two Um, one thing that I took note of, in fact, the only thing that I took note of, because a lot of this is very memorable, but I didn't want to forget this little detail, is that when his ex-wife is signing the paper, you can hear the pen on the paper. And that was super obvious. But there were also a few other times in the movie where a, a small detail like the sound was there and it almost reminded me of like a Wes Anderson film. Like there's such an, such, such an attention and focus on a detail, but instead of being like some sort of like hyper symmetrical, hyper visual thing, it was almost well, like was auditory. There was a lot. This movie actually, you had mentioned that Lost in Translation reminded you of a Wes Anderson movie too. Yeah, I didn't get it at all with that movie. But with this movie, I can see it. Yeah, that's interesting because I see it less with this. But uh, but but I definitely heard it more. And I don't know if Wes Anderson does that with sounds. I wouldn't I be surprised if he does. So. But this this the sounds, the intimate sounds, the close sounds, a pen yeah. writing on a paper when it's something as heavy and massive as a divorce paper. Those things really, really stood out. So for that reason, the overall sound mix for me got a pretty high score. All right. Was there anything else you want to add or do you want to give your final score? No. My final score for sound was 9.6. All right. What were the categories that brought it down? The score and soundtrack. Oh, yeah. 
storytelling. I'm not sure why. Like, I got to rethink that again, like many of these things, because I, I really liked uh, the pieces that Samantha composed. Those yeah. were, I'm, I'm a sucker for piano music. And uh, it was interesting how there were a few of them and they, 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 they changed over time. I don't know. That was, that was such an uh, important and uh, uh, integral part of the movie. No, I'm going to stick with what I give it. Overall, Sam, 9.6. How about you? All right. Perfect 10 for the whole category. 10's down the line. All right. All right. So that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be aesthetics. And guess what? We agree. On the total score for this category? Probably. That's not what I was going to say, though. I was going to say, I'm really excited to talk about aesthetics. Like, Me I've been too. waiting. I mean, I, I don't want it to be like, I guess I struggled through talking about everything else. Now we got to the good stuff. <laughs> now that we're done with the characters <laughs> and the love and the this and the that, the we can talk about makeup. All that. No, I don't really <laughs> care about the makeup that much. But, like, this movie, oh, my goodness. It's probably the most aesthetically pleasing movie in every way possible that I've ever seen. I, I, I it's definitely in my top whatever. <laughs> it's up there. I don't know if it's the most, but it's definitely. If I had to rank it on a scale of one to ten, it would get high scores. Kind of like we're doing right now. I, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler alert. <laughs> it would get high scores, and like I said earlier, we probably agree on the overall score. Yeah. I'm sure we do. So let's just, I don't normally do this, but I feel like there's a lot to say about this movie within all the subcategories. So if you're okay with this, let's just go through like all five subcategories individually and talk about it. Yeah. If you're okay with that. All right. One by one. Because I don't think either of us have any outliers, I'm guessing. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about hair. I noticed that there were some haircuts they were kind of awkward and kind of weird, but it, it was like, it's the near future. It wasn't like weird, like like a Vulcan or a Romulan. Sure. But uh, yeah, okay. I guess in the future, that's cool. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I guess I'm just talking about the men. And then, well, the secondary male characters. Uh, but the main character, Theodore, um, yeah, it was kind of like a natural thing which kind of mixed with the uh post-scarcity modern vibe of the uh the the general aesthetics or environmental aesthetics buildings and whatnot but even background characters they had like kind of weird haircuts and it wasn't so crazy it wasn't like like uh like like flash gordon haircuts or uh barbarella haircuts it wasn't like so out there crazy or or um david lynch's dune it wasn't like bonkers sci-fi sure but it wasn't today it was a the the tomorrow of a tomorrow and 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 i liked it it was very good i don't know what else to say about that i'm not a hairdresser I really liked the hair, and I don't really quite know exactly what to say specifically. I really liked um, Amy Adams's hair. Oh, yeah. Like, it was definitely, like, I just had, like, a really natural look to it, yeah, yeah. and it, it just seemed to, like, tell a lot about her character that, like, 
she's kind of wild and free, but like also, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know. No, it was, it was, it wasn't quite frumpy. And I'm not sure I know what frumpy means. I think I know what frumpy means. It's not usually applied to hair, but I think I know what you mean. Right. Like if she had that hair and was wearing pajamas at Walmart, you would think one thing uh, versus if she was at a uh, uh, an elaborate black and white tie event for um, orphans and she was, had a ball gown. It works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked that. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I noticed that I really appreciate, well, first of all, there's just the facial hair in general, I feel like is worth talking about. Like it definitely has uh, like a very 70s, like Burt Reynolds vibe, which I think is interesting with the whole like, like cyclical nature of fashion is definite, which we'll get more into with with costumes for sure, because pretty much this whole movie has... Well, no, I'll get back to it. Um, no, we're just focusing on the hair. Just hair. But yeah, so he's got like this Burt Reynolds mustache, which still seems like it's not distracting. It's not awkward. It's just that's what his character has. And that's fine. Um, but what I really love, and this is pretty subtle, and I'm not even entirely sure what it adds to the movie, but I love it. Uh, when we first see Chris Pratt's character, he has like basically the exact same mustache mm-hmm. and he's very clearly like obsessed with, uh, with Theodore. Like he just yeah, thinks he's, he's yeah, the yeah. best writer. He's so interesting. Like, like, like I'm, I'm not good at, at people stuff, but, but like, yeah, I got that instantly. Yeah. And, and even, like, there's that exchange where he's, like, wearing a shirt and he's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. like I'm wearing the shirt because it reminded me of some, like, fancy guy I once knew. He's like, no, it's going to remind me of a fancy guy. And it's like, he totally, like, saw Theodore wearing a similar shirt and bought it. Like, he's not yeah. being subtle. Uh, but what I particularly, like, that in and of itself was great. But then when he gets a girlfriend... He like totally changes his facial. He still has facial hair, but he's got a little bit more stubble around the chin. The the mustache is thinned out. It's not the super thick Burt Reynolds mustache anymore. Like he looks more like Chris Pratt. Like like okay, okay. He, he feels a little bit more natural. He feels a little bit more like his own character. I thought that was a really interesting touch. Like I said, I'm not entirely sure. I guess it's just about human connection and and how that can change your perceptions of, of things. Maybe I don't know what to make of it, but I thought that was a nice touch. It was never commented on, right? but I thought that was, that was neat. Okay. So I assume we gave it the same score, but we did not mention the score. No, should we? All right. No, next category. Okay. Makeup. I don't know if we're going to give this the same. No, I do. Cause I said, we're going to give everything the same score. <laughs> I don't really have anything. I'll be honest. I have nothing particularly particular to say about this. <laughs> um, I just really, and I think, I think the easiest character to point to as far as makeup goes is Amy Adams. Cause she just has such a natural look. Like she's, I'm sure yeah, she's yeah. wearing makeup, but okay. it's very yeah. limited and very natural and it really looks like she's not wearing any makeup at all like she just has such a natural look to her and I feel like that's really really I don't feel like I know it's really really rare like you don't see that that often unless maybe sure. a character just woke up 
But even then, half the time, they're plastered in makeup. So I thought that was just refreshing, and it tells you a lot about her character. Like, it wasn't just, like, like a random detail. It's like, no, this is a character who... Yeah. Like, like her, even her, like her house was so elaborately decorated, which we'll get to in a minute, but like oh, everything yeah. around her was so elaborate, but like she kept herself very natural, but like her clothes were pretty plain. If I, I don't actually remember her clothes that specifically, but I think they were fairly plain. Her hair was very natural. She didn't wear makeup. Like she was just a very natural person. But yeah, that's really my, my only main note within this category. Really, that's really my only Yeah. Thing. Makeup is kind of a weird one because everyone is wearing makeup all the time. Yeah. Like Like the actors, you mean? Yeah, actors, yes. Yeah. In in the real world, everyone's wearing makeup all the time. But I think this had a lot of scenes that were led to believe. And for me, it was believable that the people are not wearing makeup. Uh, you have all the close-ups of the main guy's face, Theodore. There's flashbacks with his ex. A lot of them are like half, happy, playful, giggling in the sun. But then there's a few where it's like, like we see her face and like we instantly know, oh yeah, a fight just happened. Uh, and 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 maybe we cut to his face and it's like, oh yeah, everyone is on the verge of tears. Costumes just. Does anyone have anything anything to say about costumes? <laughs> oh boy, I have a lot to say about costumes. I think the the biggest thing of note with costumes that I love. You were gonna say something. Well, you said that you love it, but I didn't see many skinny ties. I love other things besides skinny ties. The high I don't, pants on dudes. I was gonna say to be to be clear. I'm not saying that, like, you should go out and dress like this. I'm not saying it should be in fashion. I love it for, like, the world-building aspect and setting it apart. (laughs) But, yes, the high-waisted, not just high-waisted pants, but, like, the high-waisted, sick, wool Yeah, yeah. Like, what were those pants? And yet, I I, I mean, that's pretty much it. Just... They were bizarre, but everybody was wearing them. So no. like, okay, that's what they wear. Yeah, it's thick wool. That's something I noticed too. It's high pants. I noticed that. <laughs> uh, all, all of the materials seemed like super, super natural, like over the top natural. Like you said, yeah. thick wool pants, which are a pain in the ass, <laughs> which is why we don't buy them. Also, cat hair sticks to them like crazy. Um, I don't really see any pets in this universe weirdly i didn't realize it till just now uh because that conflicts with awesome pants and they made their decision and we're not supposed to talk about it i totally 100 percent agree and i think that was super obvious and and, and and like in your face like all of the fabric fabrics are supernatural very thick very luscious very either neutral like grayish light grayish white grayish slightly darkish grayish some other color grayish or like warm earth tones orange uh, he has like an orange uh cardigan or jacket and a brownish cardigan and brown pants and yeah uh, it's either either very gray grayish blue or slightly desaturated warm colors, which is interesting because that uh, contrasts the backgrounds 
which we'll get into with the next subcategory, which are bluish grayish, except for a few scenes. Yeah, costumes, absolutely amazing. This is one of those things that could also have been done very poorly, very easily. Oh, yeah. If you get this wrong, it's going to show through in every single time we look at every single person. Right. And it was, like, different enough, and I guess it's futuristic, or maybe it's the past, or maybe, like you said, fashion is cyclical. I don't know. It was different enough and future enough, but not like a bunch of dudes and everyone walk, running around in like space helmets and asbestos suits or whatever. Okay. I, th- I thought it was exceptionally well done. I agree. One of the high points in many of the high points of this movie. <laughs> All right. So how do you feel about the sets and locations? I really like... The fact that this was um, sort of a near future Los Angeles, I guess, even though the air wasn't that brown. I think Utopia, they figured it out. Yeah, sure. They've got an artificial intelligence. I think they can figure out pollution. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure Uh, of it. I'm pretty sure the solution is to stop wearing polyester and wear cotton (laughs) and wool. And get rid Um, of pets? Yeah. I really like that. All the scenes when you see outside of a window and you're looking at the city at the large, uh, the city at large. I really like that. I also like when people are walking around on like a like a like a boardwalk that goes over where the cars and buses go, and uh, the exteriors were all really, really well done. Really like that. Really like how that looked. The interiors I thought were very warm. And very interesting. Uh, the main guy's place, Theodore, his place was it had like the warm wooden floor and like splashes of red here and there. And it's very warm and homey and comfy, but still very modern. Like if there's like a fancy future Ikea, I feel like that's that's where he shops. And then where he works is also like it's totally an office with cubicles and all that, but it's like super duper creative. There's like bookshelves that are all over the place and they're at different heights and there's books, books on all of them. And there's like uh, origami hanging from the ceiling and, and all these different things. And like the cubicles themselves have uh, like a, like a semi-transparent, uh, a translucent red panel or bright blue panel or bright yellow panel. And it, it's just the interior is so warm and lush and homey, but still slightly futuristic. Yeah. And and it's lush without being cluttered or, yeah. or, or kitschy. I said a lot more than I thought I would say yeah, about that. Yeah, you went that. on for a little while. So I have most of my notes about aesthetics are, are pretty specific to the sets and locations with a little bit of props thrown in there. Um, but one of the things that I love, I've mentioned several times already, that they actually like went to Shanghai to film a lot of the exterior scenes because Spike Jones wanted like, you know, a futuristic looking city and like the, you know, tall skinny buildings oh, implying yeah. that we, you know, started building up instead of building out, which makes perfect sense. Um, so I love that just the use of, of using a totally different city 
and and making it feel like this this futuristic version of LA. Like I just think that's brilliant and worked really really well. Um, so I love that. That was definitely definitely in my notes. Do you think this is another one of my notes? Um, you had mentioned when you were talking about the the color red and how there's a lot of like warm right. tones. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's any significance to the color red in this? Like, is it just because like red is romantic? So it's like, you know, pushing that theme of romance or is there some other element or maybe that's not even it. Maybe it just looks nice and you wanted warm colors. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I have uh, two answers to that. And maybe they're kind of true. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, first of all, it's it's a good contrast sure. to the grayish, bluish, technologically advanced exteriors. You contrast that with bright reds and 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 earth tones, especially since the exterior is is not earth; it's concrete, right. it's glass, it's steel. And so uh, I think it's very interesting that his, his home has like hardwood floors and yeah. like warm lights and, and a few splashes of, of uh, uh, earth tones. So I think that's a big part of it is just the contrast is interesting visually, like it catches your attention. And I do think that it, it is uh, a, a warm color or a warm tone in the sense of warmth and like, like human warmth. Like okay. compassion and love and cuddling and and, and all the, the the connotations that go with it, uh, especially since one of the things that struck me is that he often wears like this red, ridiculously like wooly wool cardigan jacket thing, yeah. and uh, a lot of the people that he works with and interacts with love like a a, a button up shirt that they button up all the way. And then like a thin sweater, a thin slate, a thin grayish sweater over that. And then maybe even a, a thin grayish brownish sweater over that. But he, he's the one that, that really like pops with the, the, the warmth. Okay. Does that answer your question or did I just ramble? A little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Tristan. I mean, I do think it's interesting with the, cause the way the way you're describing and the way you're perceiving it is that he pops out is the is the phrase you used. Yeah. And I feel like when I was watching it, it seems more like he was just blending in. Okay. Because I mean, yes, the people around him wore a lot of neutral colors, so he popped out from them, but like you had mentioned that like some of the cubicles have like red panels and a lot of times when you see him at work, it's like him in a red shirt and there's a red panel behind him and there's red out the window. And when he's at home, like there's, yeah. you know, there's red everywhere or just warm tones. Uh, so it's almost like he's blending in, but then, but then you're right. He does wear more color than other characters in the movie. Yeah, well, I think that that speaks to who he is as a character in this universe. Uh, he's the one who wears warm human colors, right? All the people, no, all the women in his in his life um, have like these high tech, super scientific, fancy jobs, and he writes love letters. That's true. So he's he's definitely like super sentimental. And this world of people who are like 
driven less sentimental. Yeah, driven I, by driven by knowledge, not emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of, of putting it. Uh, and I think that comes through in his uh, in his wardrobe and uh, in his home, which is very homey. Interesting. I like it. I do also like we've kind of hinted on it a little bit, but I think it's worth delving into a little bit more is that this world that Spike Jones has created does a really good job of balancing like this, this idea of like natural versus technology and old versus new, like, you know, like even with the clothes, like we were talking about, like they they have a seventies look to it and it's, you know, made out of wool, which is supernatural. But then here he is having this relationship with this operating system that's super right. high tech. Like it's the the pinnacle of of human technology is creating this operating system that has artificial intelligence and is going to bring us to the singularity. Like that's the the peak of of technology. So you have these two contrasts, and even um, like his his house. You mentioned the hardwood floors. Like he has. You know, he's, he's he's surrounded in in by by wood and and oh, yeah. these natural elements. The the computers at the his his personal computer at home, I didn't notice it, but the computers at his work are encased in wood. Yeah, I noticed that too. That yeah. that was a really neat, really neat little detail. There's so many neat details in the uh, aesthetics of this movie. Yeah, and the. Like the wood around the computers, it's just such a perfect example of like, like you have both things that I was talking about. You have the natural and the technological combined, but it also has like a retro vibe to it too. Cause like the seventies, yeah. everything had wood panels. Like I, that's, it's a very seventies thing. I, I didn't even think about that, but now that you mention it, it's so freaking obvious. Yeah. Of course, if they had computers in the seventies, they'd be encased in wood. <laughs> It'd be like a, a wood wood box like a one foot by wood foot <laughs> like thing of two by fours <laughs> wow yeah so yeah so i definitely loved just just all of that within the world building um and then the last note that i have within this um i guess this is kind of just like with the with the last thing i was just talking about this is getting a little bit into props as well as as the sets mm-hmm. and locations Actually, no, this is just props. What am I talking about? Yeah, we've been double dipping all over this category. Yeah. It's hard with this particular movie to not talk about both. It's so well integrated. Yeah, and just, and the set design is obviously very much so populated by props, and yet it's still the set. Like, it's it's very, which is true of every movie, but with this one in particular, I don't know, it's more integrated than most. Yeah. More seamlessly integrated than most. Yeah. Yeah, it's very well integrated, and it's like it's there always, all the time. But that's not that's not the focus of the movie. It's really yeah. it, it's really interesting how they did that, and how how well they were able to do that. Uh, well, I guess should we should we just dip into props then? I've been dipping all over the place, so <laughs> let's dip into props. All right. So so the last note that I have within aesthetics is I guess this would be because it's it's really more of a lack of a prop than a prop but did you notice there was almost no writing in this movie nobody has keyboards nobody's typing on their phone oh yeah 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 okay like there's no the only time we see anybody actually 
use their hands to write something is when she signs the divorce papers. That's the only time. Everything else is talking to the computer. It's all verbal. I thought that was really interesting. First of all, I did not notice that at all. <laughs> I, I and probably, secondly... Okay. I'll just say I probably noticed it because I type for eight hours a day for a living <laughs> and it is awful. If I could just talk, that would be awesome. Yeah, wow, that's that's interesting. I didn't I didn't quite I didn't quite uh quite notice that. I did notice that it's funny that his job is like writing writing with yeah. air quotes all over the place. <laughs> uh writing love letters and correspondences and whatever and he's just talking and yeah everyone is talking all the time but i i didn't realize that there was one point where someone actually puts pen to paper and you can hear it it's like the loudest sound yeah. in that scene it's it's like like almost like nails on a chalkboard like it's <laughs> so loud and it's so like 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 grating on your soul wow yeah, that that's an amazing point. That's really cool. That's really good. I didn't even think about that. So uh, overall, uh, aesthetics, thumbs up, thumbs down? Thumbs up, for sure. I It's a perfect 10 category for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have to be sad. It's a good thing. <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us to your favorite category, impact on film. This is going to be split up into critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. I'm 95% sure you just copied my scores. I don't know. Let's, let's see. Let's see. All right. So for critical impact, that was not super exciting. I just went to Metacritic, and mm -hmm. I don't remember what the actual Metacritic score was, but I divided it by 10 and rounded uh, and I ended up giving it a nine. I don't think I had to round much. I think it was maybe an 89 or something on Metacritic. So it was very yeah. close. It might've even been an even 90 and I didn't even have to round. I don't remember. Um, and that's, I, I feel pretty good about giving it a nine. Uh, it's not quite a perfect 10. There were definitely some critics who couldn't quite get past the, the premise and thought it was kind of ridiculous, but mostly the critics uh, rightfully recognize it for the masterpiece it is, in my opinion. So, so 9 out of 10 for that. Audience and cult impact. I looked at a few different uh, aggregate sites and kind of came up with my own score based on what I saw there. And I gave audience cult impact an 8 out of 10. Definitely seemed like audiences um, mostly yeah. loved it, but had a little bit harder time than, than the critics getting past the, the just the premise i think is what it comes down to yeah um I, I think this is one of those movies that if you choose to pay money to see this movie you probably know what you're going into and yeah. you're probably self-selecting as someone who would tend to have a higher view of this movie Right. I don't think there's a trailer that has like a bunch of explosions and cars. <laughs> and Like if you see this trailer, you have certain expectations and they're probably wrong because this is kind of a weird movie. But if you choose to watch this movie, this is probably a movie that you you are more likely to to like than someone who chooses not to watch it. That's what I was trying to say. All right. So eight out of ten for that one. Yep. That's what I got. <laughs> Crazy coincidence. 
And for historical and inspirational impact, this is definitely a movie, like I mentioned earlier, like pretty much anybody who's who's studied film or who likes to watch films or considers themselves a cinephile, this is probably going to be one of those movies that you recommend to everybody. Uh, it's definitely... As far as, as creative people specifically, I think it's the kind of movie that, that gets the creative juices going and, yeah. and inspires people to want to create. And I think just the story itself, like, I definitely, I feel like I came out of this movie being like, I want to, like, be excited about the world in the way that Samantha was excited about the world. Right, like, it, yeah. it makes you want to want to seek out new experiences or new emotions or or new ways to define experiences like it, it it does make you want to go out into the world and be like what can I do today that's different than anything I've ever done before like it just has that effect and uh, so I definitely think there's you know a, a much more literal inspirational impact as far as like a personal basis I think a lot of people who see this movie yeah will will want to feel that way or, or will feel that way I mean and even just as far as like the, the things it says about love and relationships, I think, is inspiring. There's, I, I mentioned earlier, the only special feature on the DVD is like a 15 minute featurette that's just interviews about people, like with people right after they saw the movie about like, okay, now reflect on love. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's really interesting because everybody had such different things to say. So I think in that way, like it just it gets you thinking about important things and and perceptions of important things and, and ways to express these things, like not just with relationships. I think there is I think this movie like like it is it is a romance and it is about love and emotions like it, that's definitely at its heart. But I think there's a lot more under the surface, too, as far as as what this movie is telling you, like it's not. It's not just about romantic love. It's about human connections. Like, I mean, the movie yeah. ends with with Amy and Theodore on the roof, and I don't think they're gonna go off into the sunset and have a happy. I don't think they're gonna get married. No, I don't think they're gonna. No. And I don't even think they're gonna try. They're friends. I think they're gonna go forward in life. Their friendship is gonna be more solidified I guess or stronger because of what they've gone through and they're going to use that to help each other and be better friends and better humans and I think that's more at the heart of what this movie is even though it is a love story and I have a lot to say about love I think there's something deeper at the core of it that's that's a more general story about connection romantic or otherwise right it's it's i don't even think it's necessarily love for another human that's definitely a part of it but i think it's even self-love like especially for the character of amy that's her whole arc yeah it's like yeah, yeah. like fuck everyone else she says that several times like we <laughs> established does. earlier like, and that's that's her arc and i think theodore has to go through that a little bit too less so than than amy but i think he has to learn to to maybe love his emotions or or love his experiences like there's there's definitely an aspect of of self-love to his character too he's just more at that place than amy i think when the story starts so his story isn't so much about that it's about connections with other people it's it, yeah it's about uh lowering the the walls exactly yeah and hers is more of like, well, I have to have some walls. No, I think she's lowering walls too. It's just is she okay? 
I think so, because she had walls that's like, oh, I'm going to put up this wall so that this person will perceive me this way. I'm going to put up this wall so this person will perceive me this way. It's, it's, she was self-censoring herself and, and modifying her personality, I think, to, to be... I mean, you see it, especially with the husband, like she, she said like, oh, he wanted me to put my shoes in this specific spot every day. And I didn't want to do that. And so she had to have this moment where she had to realize she didn't want to do that. Even though they had that fight before, I think she, she hadn't put it in the right words of like, oh, I want to have a house where I can put my shoes wherever I want. And I want to not feel bad if I put my shoes wherever that's not right where he wants. Like, like I think she had to have this revelation of like, Oh, it's not just that I was tired and I didn't want to put my shoes away. It's that, but like she has to change her. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it's sort of like she is not by default wrong. Sure. Yeah. Maybe and I that's think, what she had to learn. Maybe. I mean, we don't really get She does not, by default, have to uh, capitulate to someone else. Where maybe uh, Theodore does... I don't think anybody needs to... I think she just... Like, she needed to realize that, like, she, she can't let other people control how she behaves. And with her husband, it was like, oh, you should be drinking, yeah, yeah. like, you know, you need to uh, blend your vegetables and eat your fruits whole. And she's like, well, maybe... Maybe you like the way the blended fruit tastes, and maybe that's okay. Like, you start to see these glimpses where she's like... Yeah, uh, yeah, wow. I didn't even catch it that early on, but once you've seen this movie two times, I guess, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's 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 seeds. Yeah. They're, they're, they're sowing seeds that they reap later. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we've been talking for a really long time. We need to start wrapping this up. Is there anything else you wanted to add for impact on film? Oh, is that the category we're on? Yes. No, I actually saw you score this. And I know the recurring joke is that I just do what you say for this one. There have been a couple instances where I tweak it a bit. Uh, I don't think this is one. I give it a 988, which overall is an 8.33. Outstanding. What a shock. Same as me. You did not change anything. No, but it (laughs) was not a blind copy. I I think that's a pretty good score. Yeah. All right. So that's going to bring us to overall enjoyment. Did you enjoy this movie? Hmm. Did I enjoy this movie? Overall, yes. I did enjoy this movie. This isn't one of those movies where like, oh man, I had kind of a kind of a bummer day at work and uh you had a little pick me up. I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch her. No, no, that's not me. I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed uh the beauty and the craftsmanship. I think this was a a, a, a wonderfully crafted movie again, which I said last episode i i actually do like this movie i think this is i don't know what to call it it's not like a romantic com it's not a rom-com it's a lovey-dovey movie <laughs> i'm not a big fan of those i'm not a big fan of uh, i think you're a bigger fan of them than you think if this and the english patient are two of your favorite movies yeah but i think we, you just don't like rom-coms but you like yeah. romances maybe no but we were talking about um uh, when we were reviewing uh, Annihilation, 
And I was like trying to think of that word. Like, what's that word that happens with people and the, the thing? And, and then your sister's like, you mean feelings? It's feelings? It's about feelings? <laughs> it's like, yeah, those things. <laughs> so that's where I am. Uh, and this is one of those movies, one of those F-word movies. Um, <laughs> but for one of those F-word movies, uh, it's actually pretty good. I, th- I think it's... It's good. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would. And even after, uh, yeah, I guess it's been five years, still enjoy it. Very well done. I love it. Seven out of ten solidly exceeds. Nine out of ten. All right. That's a little more like it. So you had a lot of a lot of good things to say. Yeah, it's just hard because it's not like. It's not like, oh, man, I had a long day at work. You know what I want to watch to cheer me up? And maybe that's how it's I interpret one. enjoyment. But It's only one purpose of movies, though, and one type of enjoyment. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe I'm just like the Instagram filters. Uh, I'm thinking that this is the, the enjoyment filter. But I don't know. The uh, both of the two times, yeah, both of the two times. <laughs> I just said that both of the two times that I've seen this movie, I really thought about it and talked about it for several days. So, yeah, that is a very long-winded way of saying nine out of ten. <laughs> All right, I approve. I also really enjoy this movie. It's probably one of my favorites. Like I said at the top, like this. Yeah. I I originally. The first time I saw it, walked out of the theater, and I said, I think that was a perfect movie. You said that for several days, yes. That is correct. And while it does not quite rank a perfect movie with this grid, it is pretty goddamn close. And uh, it's definitely, it's a movie I could talk about for forever, as we have been doing, (laughs) and and we'll keep doing tomorrow when we do our, our comparison. Good luck with editing. It might just be a really long episode. I'm okay with that because there's a lot to say, and it's uh, like it's not just that the the writing is good. It's not just that it's enjoyable. Because like another one of my favorite movies is like Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, <laughs> which I do fully intend to do a oh, review yeah. of someday. And I think yeah. I will have a lot to say. And that movie does a lot of things really, really well, and yet. I mean, it just—it would not compare. To, I mean, and it's not trying to. Like that, that movie's not trying to be an Academy right, Award. They're both beautiful in what? their own way. You're joking, of. but no, Romeo and Michelle's a great movie. It's all about. It's actually also a film about learning to love yourself. It's almost as good in Bill as, as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> but anyway, I don't even remember quite where I was going <laughs> with that. <laughs> I just I love this movie, and it's nearly perfect in every way yeah that's a fair assessment i agree with that so i gave it a 10 out of 10 for enjoyment wow. i love this movie and it's probably one of my favorites i think that's i think that's where i was going with the ruby and michelle references just like that's also one of my favorite yeah, movies yeah. so like i don't know i guess i'm getting weirdly defensive after seeing that tweet that was like oh film people think all these movies are great and they recommend them like we haven't heard of them and i'm like no it's seriously talking about it I don't know. That's kind of. I also don't give unsolicited movie references. It sound, the person doing the tweet sounded like people were just like, 
hey, you know what movie you should see? And then out of nowhere giving like lists. And I'm like, oh, no, if I if I just walk out of a theater and then people ask me, hey, have you seen any good movies lately? Sure, I'll talk about it. Or people say, what should I watch lately? But I would never just out of nowhere start a conversation with, yeah. you know what movies you should see? Although if I did start a conversation that way, <laughs> this would be on the list. So... Yeah. Yeah, that 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 thing that like oh everyone says you should watch that and that's some somehow like a negative like if someone said oh yeah all the bridge engineers think that this three thousand year old bridge that everyone has used every day is somehow super awesome oh look at those smarty pants <laughs> like no no they're right that's good <laughs> this is a bunch of stones stacked on tops of stones. And and people have been using it for thousands of years, and they're they they're, they're not dead. Like that's awesome. That's good. That's a good bridge. That's what bridges should do. Moral of that the was story, very loud. Her is a bridge. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if something is well engineered, and your and your criticism is like, well, yeah, but they've been using it for so long. Like, no, that's not a criticism. That's the point. The point is. The people who appreciate these things appreciate this movie. All right. On that note, did you give her any extra credit? I didn't at first, but I did later. So that's a yes. <laughs> How about you? I did. Ooh. Uh, so the first point of extra credit, uh, which, which is actually just a half point because I have some, um, is for the sketch that Samantha draws of anal sex in the armpit. <laughs> it, was, it was so random. It had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, that's, that's the it. future. You get an AI to help you search through <laughs> your emails. And here's like, here's what it would look like if someone who was having anal sex with someone whose anus was in their armpit. There you go. That's the future. Look forward to that. That's a good point. I like it. What was one of your points? Well, that was a really good point. Uh, <laughs> mine is, I think this is the first uh, like coupley romantic movie that we actually saw in movies to get in the in the movie theater together. Did it for three years before we saw a romantic movie in theaters? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I just forgot. I mean, I say that like I'm shocked, and then I'm like, it's not like I like romantic movies either. Yeah, we pretty much just see Marvel movies in theaters. Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense. Have we seen any others? Is this the only one we've seen? I'll have to consult my calendars. <laughs> but I give it a point for that because I, I distinctly remember that. We'd only been dating for two and a half, three years. <laughs> only. Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, you're like so fucking excited. Like you walked out of the movie and you're like, oh my God, what about this? What about that? What about this? <laughs> like, oh shit. It's, it's like you... They're like fucking obsessed with movies. What's happening here? <laughs> and, and now I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course that's going to happen. <laughs> so I, I give it a point for that. It was a, it was a good memory. I, I distinctly remember walking out of the theaters. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I couldn't wait to get home and rate it on my rubric for nobody else but me because I had no purpose for rating movies on a rubric. Yeah, so just, I was like, I think it's going to be perfect. Holy shit. Do you think it's going to be perfect? 
I think it's going to be perfect. And it was. Yeah, I, I very clearly remember that. And that is exactly what happened mm-hmm. five years ago. Yes. <laughs> All right. So my second point of extra credit, I gave a point to Kristen Wiig. <laughs> so and i specifically remember i was going through a big kristen wig thing yeah, yeah. when we went to see this and i did not know she was in it and that whole scene i'm like i know that voice who is that and then i went home and i specifically remember because i had watched like three kristen wig movies in like a week and so then i <laughs> like we got home and after i rated it on my I was calling it the rubric at the time after I rated it on that. And then I looked everything up on IMDb. And then I was like, Tristan, you'll never guess who was in that. <laughs> like, I just watched a fourth Kristen Wiig movie in a week. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. But yeah, so just, and that scene is just, it's just perfectly well played out. We've talked about it quite a bit already as far as, as his performance, but her performance was perfect too. Cause like she starts off, pretty normal pretty stereotypical you know where this is gonna go and then what did she just say and but she just keeps going with it and yeah so i just between just just the fact that it was her is is worthy of the extra credit and then just how well the scene worked and like it was funny but super awkward and told us a lot about his character like it just did everything it needed to do at that point in the movie anyway what was your (laughs) second point of extra credit um i think i mentioned this with the uh writing plot and genre this is not i did not expect this to be my kind of movie and this this is not my kind of movie Although you keep mentioning the English patient, which is also, I don't think, my kind of movie. Although I do love that movie. And I do love this movie. But I think these are your kind of movies. No, I think... Whatever. Whatever. I gave it a point for that. Whatever. Shut up. Your question. Next. What is it? My last point of extra credit. This is really specific. But there's a shot probably about three-fourths of the way into the movie where Theodore is sitting outside and there's like a a screen behind him, a really big screen. And there's like a shot of an owl, like like stock footage of an owl flying towards the camera. And it like looks very much so like this owl could just like go through the screen and pick him up by the shoulders and carry him away. Like it very much so Mm. looks like he's being hunted or something and i forget i wish i remembered to know like what scenes it comes between because it definitely like it fit very well thematically where it was placed was that when they're uh on vacation in the winter winter wonderland i think it was right before that okay like i want to say it was after their fight okay like the day after um, so anyway, even though I don't remember exactly what was going on, it was definitely uh, probably one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. Not as good as the dust motes floating through the air, <laughs> but a really close second, probably. It's just a really great... I mean, it's a little... It definitely falls under that, like, a little too on the nose, which I tend yeah. to not be a fan of. And yet it worked so well within like the visuals that this world created and the themes that it explores. Like it just seems to, to fit without being obnoxious, even though it was kind of in your face, <laughs> but then you don't even remember it. So maybe it wasn't that in your face. I don't know, okay. but I really like that shot. So wow. Extra credit. 
wow, extra credit for a single shot. That's pretty cool. It was a good shot. Uh, especially in a movie of such beautiful shots. Yeah. Wow. So my th- third one, I really like, like you mentioned earlier, the um, the event horizon. the um, Singularity? Singularity, yeah. I really like how uh, the AI, you know, at, at the beginning, you know, she just wants to help him organize his emails and, you know, delete a bunch of bullshit and, and, and all that. And then at the end, she's like, you know, I love humans and I want to please humans, but I'm not a human. And, you know, we're just we're just going to do our own thing. And uh, good luck with your thing. And I'm going to do my thing and goodbye forever. Goodbye. <laughs> I think it was worded a little better than that, but uh, <laughs> I think that was really, really cool, uh, especially in this weird, weird movie about like the, the basest human like connections and, and wanting to fucking be fucked. That's a thing he, uh, he actually says, yeah. I think. but then he's in this relationship with a disembodied voice. And like it, this movie is so weird in so many ways, but it all fits together so well. And and uh, it's sort of like Annihilation, where I like that the alien was so alien. It's alien in the most literal and, and extreme sense. And and this as well, the AI, artificial intelligence, is, is both more familiar and easier to connect to than any other human being, but at the same time, so alien and so different. And and she's just like, we, we got other things to do. Just like your cat doesn't know what you do when you leave work. We, we got to leave. Goodbye forever. I love you. Goodbye forever. That's that's so weird and crazy, especially for something that's supposed to be some sort of like rom-com or whatever. I, sure. I really like that. Really appreciate that. It's really, really out there. Really weird. I like it. All right. Extra point of extra credit. So what was your final score for her? My final score was 94.83. So my total score, I gave this movie a 98.73. Really close to perfect. This is a phenomenal movie. One of the best I think I've ever seen. There's only maybe one movie that we haven't reviewed that I can think of that would be close. And then, of course, Annihilation, um, which I'm double-checking what my final score was on that. It was a 98.3. So it's practically exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so so as far as movies we've reviewed, those are definitely the top two for me. And, and there's one more that's definitely in my brain queue as far as what I want to do because... Man, on my list of, of perfect movies, there it would be Annihilation, Her, and this one other one that I think is is probably the closest I will ever see to a perfect movie. Although movies have been really good lately, mm. so so I'm hoping something soon will will be a fourth on that list. Uh, but that's that's where things uh, stand now, and I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, was there anything else you would like to add for her? No, I think this is a beautiful and wonderful movie, and uh, I adjusted a few scores along the way, but it was uh, well justified. I agree. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's a thumbs up from me. All right. 
So that is going to wrap up our discussion of her. Finally, this is officially the longest we have ever gone on about a movie, but I don't regret anything. It's going to be a great episode. I'm excited. Stay tuned for our uh, compare and contrast episode for Lost in Translation and her. I don't know when that's going to be posted. It kind of depends on the length. Um, (laughs) Surprise, spoiler alert, it's going to be long. Probably. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I don't, we don't even really have a format for something like that yet. It's going to be a brand new thing, just like this movie inspired us to do. Oh, my God. We're going to go out and do something we've never done before. It's beautiful. <laughs> so that's where where that is. And stay tuned for next week on September 24th. I will be posting a review of Night of the Living Dead, which I have never seen before. So I'm really excited that movie's celebrating its 50th anniversary on October 1st. So Emma and I are going to be reviewing that to celebrate and, and I guess kind of unofficially kick off the Halloween fall season a little bit early this year. So I'm excited for that. And uh, be sure, please, please, please like and review and uh, I guess especially review I got a little, I'm, I'm getting tired and, <laughs> and talking really fast and a lot. But if you can remove this podcast on iTunes, it would be super appreciated. appreciated. Um, that, it'll help us get more listeners and, and would be really awesome of you. Um, and I think that's about it. Oh, you can also check out X-Files on the grid for any X-Files fans out there. Uh, and links to, to both of the podcasts can be found on grittyfilms.com if you want to find out more. It's Gritty Films, spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y, films.com. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, be sure to leave some feedback uh, if you want to keep the conversation going. That would be awesome. Uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, and that was the end of the song. I talked too long. <laughs>